0: All right, I'll just hit it. So what have you been up to?
1: Um, let's see. I was climbing and then I sprained my ankle. Oh no. So now I drag myself to the gym on my crutches and I'm like doing yoga classes.
0: Oh man. When did you sprain your ankle? Was that like today you did that?
1: I was what? a week ago now or so
0: oh man was it at the gym okay were you bouldering yes oh, okay yeah that makes sense that sucks
1: yeah <laughs> i'll come back with better with more patience and with like better pace skills hopefully so that would be good then
0: that stuff's pretty hard
1: and it's like it's gonna happen though because i don't know i think it won't be my last
0: yeah injury. probably probably not no i'm sure yeah the bouldering's tough that they that stuff's hard i don't know and you fall i mean it's not like a, a small drop some of them are pretty far yeah. <laughs> so you were doing it in the gym though right oh yeah yeah yeah.
1: Thankfully, i didn't do it i didn't hurt myself either in Paris or like outside climbing a tree which there was a time I guess I was just like in a dark spot and needed something to get me out of my head because I look back to like how high I would go on those trees and like I would be just walking 20 feet up there's like ferns on the tree branch I could easily fall like I don't know what I was doing.
0: (laughs) I'm the same way. I'll i go way up in the tree. And then you're on those tiny little branches. You're like standing right against the trunk, so you're like, so it doesn't break on you. Yep. So what's uh, what's been on your mind lately? You got anything? Or...
1: I've mostly been
2: or
0: your heart.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've like been making videos. I don't know. I. i'm just not sure if any of it is gonna intersect with whatever has been on your mind because it's fairly it's been fairly esoteric problems
0: <laughs> well i i tried to watch in the one i don't know if i i'm not sure if i watched all of it because it was late at night when i started it i don't think i finished it but the one you the, i think it was your latest one you did about comedy and stuff
1: Oh yeah, just analyzing memes. That one I was fun and I was (laughs) penciling that for a while.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good.
1: That has partly been one spin on my mind.
0: Yeah, you did another video before that about, kind of about the same thing, right?
1: Yeah, about bad lip reading. I both love it.
0: (laughs) There was something you said on that, I wasn't quite sure. Maybe you can explain it to me. You said something about, I was very brief, and I think you said something about geometrical shapes being underneath those or something like that. And then you said something and you're like, that's why I wanted to look at math. And then you switched back over. It was like a it sounded like a sad like
1: My sister, a, sister hates me because every time when I start a sentence, then I go off into another thing and then I go off into another thing. And I never finished anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like your your mind's connecting all these things and they're all related, but they're just yeah. But I I don't remember what it was though. It because you you briefly said it. So
1: like lately I've found that the whole quality of my thoughts has been changing to where before I was, a lot of it was like verbal and fairly slow and like mostly verbal, I guess. Um, But now it's, when I'm in like a good mood um, and I have like a lot of energy, then and I'm like thinking, well, it's like just very fast and like more feelings, like more images and almost geometric, sort of shapes or just like motion and jet and just like a more holistic and it's like in D. oh
0: i like this all right keep going yeah.
1: and it gets <laughs> very so i don't know most sometimes when, when i'm thinking when i the best times are when there's just a sort of whole structure like building up in my in my head um father well, i forgot this was recording <laughs>
0: no this is good so you're hey cal's here i can let him in
1: yeah so just like uh, hello the best enough fellow meme connoisseur
0: (laughs) she was just explaining her her thought pattern recently has been in like like, like, shapes and emotions and images right
1: yeah so i guess like you all when you think is it mostly like, what is it mostly like words? Is it like, have yeah, Einstein said he thought in music? And that's what I want, but I'm just, I'm not that smart yet. I'm not
0: you say you, th- you think in music?
1: I do not, but I apparently, don't. if you're really smart, you get to that level.
0: I'm I, not, I haven't heard of that.
1: This is like pure, I mean, Einstein said a lot of his, because like, it's like music is kind of pure pattern and like pure math. And I guess that my thoughts have been going from more from very verbal to, both verbal, but then also higher levels of just, like, more abstract, more, like, patterns, and more, like, geometric, like, one
3: like. of the smartest persons I have known claims to think in a kind of mathematical music. He claims that. I certainly don't.
0: Oh, inspire! <laughs> what does that even mean, mathematical music?
3: <laughs> that sounds wonderful.
1: Is he, like, yeah. a... Math side of the brain prison.
3: No, not really. He's a very intuitive person.
1: Oh um, okay. Yeah. I have a new role model.
3: Well, you yeah, have you know, he's an interesting guy. He called he calls himself the god singer. Well, he calls himself the cancer singer now that he has cancer, which sounds funny, but I mean this guy is a force. Like I first met him on uh, the the banks of uh or the shores, whatever you say for a artificial lake. Um, I met him at White Rock Lake in Dallas, Texas and he had a sign that said free advice and that was when he was kind of more in the left uh, mode of his mind and as time went on he shifted right for reasons having to do with he said oh I guess you would say chronic traumatic encephalopathy any any kind of like brain problems that come from A history of repeated head injuries and then he was moving more into his intuitive side um and uh now that he has cancer he's he's um just like singing he improvises songs um uh when he meets new people when he meets strangers and he sings to them basically about like how much god loves them and like how's yeah like it's kind of awesome um I, when I first met him, I thought he was like Mister Rogers, and then I kind of realized not really because <laughs> he he's what sociopath is not the right word, but but there's a kind of intensity and an almost like uh, immoral is the wrong word, but 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 this this guy this guy is like is like different, um, and uh, a lot of his a lot of his life like previous to his um, sort of. God singing career had to do with the um it 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 it, it had to do with like the male um ex like like the very like sort of masculine end of the human experience continuum where where violence and um you know the 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 need to be prepared aggression and also i guess the temptation to aggression you know it, these things matter a lot but anyway so that that's that's him um uh and um he's kind of he's he's still kind of wrestles with that it sounds like and his old self um but it's also super like sh- 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 shamanic i don't know how you pronounce that one wants to say shamanic and intuitive anyway um, uh, I feel kind of uh,
1: like Ender from Ender's Game. I'm sorry. Like Ender from Ender's Game.
3: Uh, maybe I haven't read that.
1: It's so good. I feel
3: a little uncomfortable talking about him because I feel like he is conscious of like the impression that he cuts it that he makes in people's minds, and I don't want to say anything about him that like that would rub him the wrong way. Um, and I'm talking about someone, a real person that I know who is here. But but I think what I said is mostly true.
0: So is it kind of like a, a a mixture of intuition and emotion that he thinks with, and kind of, and I mean, I
3: guess logical yeah, he thought. Yeah, he said mathematical music. He said fuzzy, but he also said fuzzy logic and statistics. Um, I don't I don't really know. Um, huh. You know, it's not really easy. It's not really possible. I mean, I guess a composer thinks of music when they're composing music. You know, I mean. I get songs stuck in my head, but, you know, I don't really think of that as some kind of thinking. So that's kind of, um, I don't know, you know, it's hard to imagine musical thought in non-musical areas of intellectual endeavors, I guess, what I'm trying to say. But, you know, just... you had that guest on your your, your uh, podcast slash YouTube channel where she said she was an artist, but she said she had aphantasia. She said she didn't visualize anything.
0: Was this uh, this was um, uh,
3: Wei Wong? We,
0: yeah, Wei Wong. Okay, that's right. I knew her first name was Wei. I couldn't remember if it was Wong or Wang. But uh, yeah, I remember her saying something. I thought that was really interesting too, because she seemed like she was very in, intuitive person or something. But I remember her saying that she had trouble visualizing things. Yeah.
3: But the way she a- described it made me wonder if I also have trouble visualizing things. Mm-hmm.
0: I've I've heard someone mention I don't know if it was her maybe it was my sister at one point uh, was mentioning there's like different people that can actually uh, yeah it was my sister and she was saying her friend Daniela said she can't actually turn an apple around in her head like if she tries to have it, visualize an apple she can only get a side of it like she can't actually do a 3D image of it
1: yeah I'm super bad with that 3D it just breaks down so quickly yeah, yeah. me I'm not a shape rotator.
3: Yeah, the mental rotation, I almost feel like it's different from, like, continuously summoning some kind of visual image. Because, like, mental rotation, like, they have those tests where, like, how does this figure look if you do these Uh. operations to it? Or is this the same figure with such and such Uh. operations having been performed on it? I feel like you can answer that without having to have like like this kind of rich visual experience it's it's a different kind of logic that you apply to it like as far as like continuously holding a detailed a visually detailed apple in one's mind and like turning it around like i i don't i i can't do that i can't imagine doing that um i uh but yeah i, I don't don't really know
0: so Say more about this Ender's game. Um,
1: I made a video on that actually. Yeah. Um, But he's just, I like the character and I like the way that presumably the author thinks, I think, with a lot of wisdom and a lot of empathy and very clear sighted. But it's almost too much sometimes. I've really had to stop reading it at this point, because it's just like you are like vivisecting my soul every sentence, because it just does not let up. It's like having to look at life and human beings. It's just like this piercing clarity. It's like, "Oh. <laughs> there's a strange, um, the tone is interesting. It's like...
4: Not. Uh,
1: like very dispassionate I think I don't know there's something that you'd pick up on it like if you started reading it just a very specific tone it's just almost missing I guess what I said was that it was missing arrows but like there's a certain warmth or a certain like fuzzy like a certain subjectivity and warmth that's just completely gone from it which allows the allows it to be very very clear and like I have a lot of different perspectives and bring them all show a bunch of different perspectives and a bunch of different type of people very clearly but like it's ruthless sometimes
0: so you were saying the main character in that though you said were you saying he thinks and uh he's kind of similar to Cal's friend was that what you were saying in that way I get,
1: oh there was some phrase that
4: you said about
1: it um oh yes having the first part of your life be in a a bunch of violence and like the need for yeah. where yeah. violence is necessary and then having to move out of that into, into it. Cause the That's, thing about Ender is he's just this like very sweet kid forced into a situation where he has to like become this commander of this army. So they're just like breaking him and he doesn't want to but he like has to. It's,
3: I, I think that some people, um they uh, like have a, a strong ego and um they just always find themselves engaged in a contest of wills mm-hmm. and that sort of like treating reality as some kind of power game in that sense is is something that they they cannot escape from almost um it's it's uh like i guess i would liken it to libido you know it, it, you can you can go to war with that, Aspect of your personality all your life if you want and still never fully conquer it. And some people have a stronger libido than others. Um, maybe you know, uh it's the will to power or something, the villa zur Macht, whatever. Um, that analogously some people just wrestle with that more, assuming they wrestle with it at all. Yeah, I guess you have to let it somehow
1: be transformed into something good if you're gonna I mean cause you can't kill so at least with the with the bad aspect of my personality I can see how eventually they will be able to be used for my benefit like it's kind of a double-edged sword like i my thing i guess where i'm over uh like too much of it is uh <laughs> words is um like overanalyzing things and just overthinking and being very critical and breaking everything down instantly like into it just it never shuts up and this is uh not helped me very much in life, and when I turn it like in on myself in a bad way, and like as so I guess, if, you, if you're like busting after everybody walks by, or like if you're trying to like start a of fight with everybody who walks by, or whatever. Similarly,
3: It's it still sounds to me like you're that's describing that. the way that you might do something, but you're still not describing why. And and I think what we were almost talking about before was kind of like this understanding that any value that's not a copy is not going to be is not going to last over eternity as a game it's only gonna um be worth playing uh it's only gonna last like a finite number of iterations before it just kind of leaves you high and dry and satisfied realizing it's not your true self right and what it sounds to me like you described is um like your approach to some value that you might be very analytical self-critical but it didn't really necessarily sound to me like it's like a vice or a pathology. Unless what you, what, what you mean perhaps is like a very, I don't know, I'm, I'm still not even sure if this counts. But some people have a great need to, everyone has a great need to kind of know and control and own and predict, right? And OCD is kind of a manifestation of that, not saying that's what you were saying you had. Um, but, uh, so, but, uh, but I almost still feel like that may be a little bit too General, I'm not sure what I think about that.
1: I guess that's like the pattern that I've been living in that has caused me a lot of harm, and now that I have more of a healthier, like s healthier center, which, as you're saying, has to do with just like love, um, then I find that that ability to you know analyze and think critically is a strength, but only when it's put in its proper position in respect to.
3: Are you talking about maybe self-consciousness and, and really just a preoccupation with what others think and the desire to like project a certain image, you know, like in the social hmm. arena?
1: Not quite. I've never been right. I socially fair enough to even do that. More just like,
4: uh, for a very sort of
1: yeah just criticism.
4: Is it being
3: overly intellectual and just trying to understand things in a very kind of like propositional way or just, just trying to understand things in that conscious explicit knowable controllable way
1: I guess something like
4: that You're just a very very
1: sort of sharp quite cold way of looking
4: i don't
1: know know. it's not a word thing like
0: like overly analytical or something overly analytical
1: overthinking overly critical that
0: it sounded to me earlier like you're almost you said like your your thinking's changed though you're kind of moving out of that
1: yeah and a
0: different and more like a almost like it sounds to me like more of a communal type of thinking or something where it's it's a bit more more intuitive and fluid I guess sorry
1: oh yeah well it's it's not that like I guess the vice or the
4: weapon that I guess I used to be hurting
1: me a lot has gone away or that I now just don't think about anything I actually find that now that things are more in their proper place um I'm able to think a lot more clearly and see a lot more fully into things and but just like in a healthy way and it's helping me
2: yeah
4: sounds yeah, get, to
0: me like go oh ahead, I'm sorry, sounds, go ahead no. no you go ahead okay. to <laughs> no, I was just gonna say yeah it's it, like from from watching some of your videos it seems like you do it in a healthy way and like you, you analyze things and cate, uh, maybe categorize things. I don't know. You just make a lot of connections.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, like I said earlier, it seems like everything's related. Like I'll watch one of your videos and it'll be like here, here. Then you'll say something and it sounds like so totally disconnected at first. But then I can tell it's all all interrelated. Yeah. So it seems like it's a, a use, very useful tool the what you think. But it can that. really
1: turn against you when you start. If you highlight a bad if you're thinking of a positive thing, then you see all the good things that are related that are good. And that's like so powerful and so beautiful and so satisfying. Uh, but then if you're in like a bad place and what you're looking at is something negative, then you suddenly have this entire like web of just the bad things that are like popping up everywhere and all that's what's salient and then you're just like, oh, it's, it's, it's the worst. Blessing it, a curse.
3: You know, one of the best books I ever read was called Mindsight by Daniel Siegel. And that book was about um, psychological integration. He talked about different kinds of integration in that book. He talked about left-right um, uh, integration because he is um, uh, someone who, who does understand that, that the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere do have different ways of doing things. And they are like different persons almost. He talked about vertical integration, which is whether you're, intellect you know for for you know, is a little simplistic but you know whether your intellect is really in touch with your body and your somatic mm-hmm. sensations um because some people for whatever reason really kind of live in their head
1: yeah
4: they're kind of That'll awkward
3: be- and they're not aware of themselves in space or for whatever reason it's like the sensations that they experience are let's uh dialed down um, and, uh, and and he claims that you know disintegration often comes from kind of histories of like trauma or pain. Um, for me, myself, I um, for many years, I mean, and it's debatable whether it's gone away one hundred percent. But for many years, I I couldn't feel anything at all. Um, so I had a I had a kind of depersonalization. I don't know if he talked about it explicitly. But, um there is certainly it's not it's not um, it's not a disconnect between the the mind and the body, so much as it is a disconnect between the head and the heart, or even the you know the the, the mind slash body and the heart, because everything physical was was very real to me, but but um i didn't I didn't have feelings anymore, and my kind of emotional awareness was so low that I wasn't even aware. That I, didn't have, that, I, that I didn't have that emotional inner dimension anymore. And um, that's kind of, I don't know. Um, I think that the mental health professionals who spoke to me at that time, after I figured out what was going on with me, I, I think that they thought something was seriously wrong with me and maybe there was, but I, I don't know that people, well, I take that back. I'm I'm not I'm not sure what the prognosis is for for depersonalization that's very severe. But anyway, understand that as another kind of psychological disintegration, and it sounds to me like what you're talking about. It, well, he Siegel said that that in the mind there's always a push toward integration, and I think that that integration it's more than, because he talked about inter- interpersonal integration, like, and. and That he's as you get more integrated and it's almost like think about developing knowledge structures you know as a child develops um certain cognitive abilities are developed by the different brain areas being able to talk to each other you have to get your sensory motor stuff worked out you know you kind of build your cognitive stuff on top of that and then and um he, he said that as you become more psychologically integrated you become more integrated with the you know this the the world around you so that you know you become more integrated with like your your family your partner your um your community uh your country the world um a little bit like maslow's hierarchy of needs as well and i i you know for me like just theorizing i would suspect that there's a sense in which you already, there's there's like this extended self that's, that's implicit, um, almost subconsciously buried underneath the more consciously recognized categories of oneself and other people like where that your attachment to the people in your life is always greater than you consciously realize it is. And that like psychological growth happens by being made being made explicitly aware of how much how much you are the others in your you know sphere of reality and um uh you know just becoming sort of more and more um uh emotionally invested in in the lives of 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 those around you um because that's what love is you know it's it's really just basically sharing the same conditions of You know, happiness and sadness is everyone else kind of like being on the same wavelength so I don't know I guess I would say my reaction to what you said was that sounds like you're just reaching a a different higher level of psychological integration and that sometimes it does kind of also lead you to make new conceptual connections I mean it actually inevitably results in that
1: yeah it's been like Integration—that is exactly the um, in, like major, major vertical integration. What you were saying, mind and and body, like, so much. I mean, I was
4: just way,
1: way up here uh, before, and then also interpersonal. Like, it's. I guess it's. I can relate in a different way to what you said about not having feelings and like not even knowing that being so having it so low you didn't even like know anything was wrong because that was basically the way that I was with like interpersonal connection strange little like spiritual blockage in me I can find no external reason for this I wasn't abused or anything I was shown a lot of love from my early childhood but until very very recently I literally like it's like you said like a dimension being missing I didn't know what it was to like feel to like feel a connection with another person like okay. what is
3: always going on in a situation like that is like a monkey with his hand in the jar where he's got his hand around something and he won't let it go but only by letting it go can he get his hand out of the jar so in other words in a situation like that there's some kind of lesser value that we don't want to part with but we which we have to part with as a condition of reaching that higher level of integration
1: yeah in my case I think it was just like fear or a feeling of general unworthiness unable inability to trust people and feeling like I would just be an inconvenience I mean I was a kid I was like four years old five years old six years old so uh but I just remember like, from my earliest memories, I just sort of assumed that if I was vulnerable to anybody, if I came to them with my problems, if I showed weakness, like, that would just be, like, very cringe, and I would just be an inconvenience on them, and I don't know, it went so deep, and then recently, like, things sort of broke open for me, and, like, now I'm, like, oh, so this is what it feels like to sort of be, have empathy with somebody, and, like, have trust, and, like, it's it's it truly, is like a whole different dimension. And I somehow survived for 19 years without that. And like, I don't, so strange. I was just walking around like only you human, definitely not. Oh.
2: It's, I don't know.
0: It's interesting to me, listening to you guys talk about this, the, uh, the interplay between love and the integration, even with the intellectual side too, like the vertical. Um, not quite sure how to say it like the monkey in the jar he, he loves something small you know and you have to so you can only integrate yourself to that a small space basically until you let go of that and you can reach for something higher you know like you care, you give your attention to one small thing and your integration like how you integrate and how you uh you said this word how it was a uh, depersonalized so you can't really even know yourself very well when you have when you're reaching out that small thing in the jar it's like until you let go and reach for the higher love uh which is found in god and in people then you can actually get a better even know yourself better like they got verse luke thompson quoted to me recently even i'll know even as i am known or something like that yeah that's when you're reaching for the because you were talking about it sounded like um cal when you were talking like that you just didn't you said the your head and your heart weren't connected, and it's kind of that weird apathy or something where you you lose all love. Was that kind of the sense of it? And you're just kind of like a ghost, and then nothing, and then you don't even know yourself anymore.
3: Yeah. But- so someone else who who experienced that described it as their shadow being all of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very very surreal, disorienting. Um, experience uh, it's, it, it really creates a lot of confusion um, you know even for me even in uh, in retrospect but um, you know Luke and Yosef were, were talking about Yo- Yosef said that in, in Judaism well first of all in Hebrew they don't have they don't have the copula they don't have at least not in the present tense they don't they don't have the word is so it's just it's just um uh you know it'll be god and then you know whatever whatever word um like in greek it says otheos agape esteem in hebrew it's like what uh well i'll say the name like hashem and then you'd say hesed maybe but the thing is that joseph's other point was that they don't have that they don't have that word and then they don't essentialize god and, and his point was, was to say something like that, that God, um, if you were to say God is love, that would be equating God with a finite part of reality, and God is not finite at all. And um, Luke said something, I can't remember how he said it, but I was agreeing with Luke, uh, but, but provisionally, tentatively, I said that I think that there's something, I told you last time in our last conversation, I think there's something dialectical about the way that Consciousness works, and that in a sense, it evolves dialectically um, uh, or it, it, through through a kind of self-identification, or it defines itself in against some other or complement, but then eventually, as time goes on, it it sort of sort of takes on or absorbs the the, the complement as well, like you called it in antiodromia um, things almost become their opposites. But but Hegel talked about thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and the self kind of evolves like that. And what this is that is like the something infinite, knowing itself as the infinite. It's like an infinite process that's reaching for ever higher conceptions of infinity. Something like that. Because when you put the predicate and the complement together, um, you know that's what you get. You get the whole. You get the, the in, infinity. And, and I think that love is something like that. Um, and that, um, well, you notice just the more that the more that, you know, about someone or it, that familiar familiarity, increased familiarity has a strange way of leading into love.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and, um,
1: it does not breed contempt. It does not either
3: hmm right i mean no you i mean some people do say that uh, I, I suppose i'd have to answer or account for cases in which it can or does um uh i see you're sort of leaning on your intuition here and 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 i'm you know i mean i'm i'm saying i think that there's just something about the, the way that consciousness works as what it is as something which is capable of david bentley hart said that he said that um he said that if i wrote it down because i'm forgetting i always forget the heart quotations as soon as i need them but i um yeah were it not for some always more original orientation towards some ever more transcendent horizon the will could not could not act in regard to finite objects at all so there's something about being a a you know a, a a consciousness that is able to have intentional attitudes able to represent you know goals and ends to itself that presupposes some kind of like transcendent horizon um uh and and and, and it 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 presupposes that that consciousness you know sharing and and like the same nature as that, that kind of, um, an in, infinite source, like of its intentionality and, and stuff like that. I don't know. He talks about it much better than I do. Um, but, um, Sorry, you guys can go. I'm sorry, oh, okay. I haven't no, responded to a text message. I'm so sorry.
0: Oh no, that's fine. I didn't know if you're looking for something or not. If you're looking for another note. Yeah, that's fascinating.
1: That's really good. That's really beautiful. Yeah, I, the pattern of like basis antithesis synthesis is just everywhere. And that's beautiful. Like, yeah, you you identify this and then identify something else to sort that. I guess the thing is going all of the, the proper steps are like really understanding so that you don't, so that it doesn't become like abstraction. Um, like, so that, yeah, so that it doesn't become abstraction as you get into like wider and wider identifications. So what I guess I'm talking about is like the concept of us, uh, sort of identifying yourself with like all of humanity or with the universe, which is the highest, you know, maybe point of realization. But also, like, from like my perspective, like, I'm like it's very abstract. And when you're really there, it's not abstract, but it seems abstract. I guess the danger is sometimes people, and especially with like trying to integrate the Eastern religions and Eastern ideas, because there's just so much cultural um, translation that is not being done. They're just like, oh, you know, I am the universe, and I don't exist, and I'm nothing. It's like it's really probably not what they exactly how they like meant that. Like they didn't mean it in this destructive, like abstract way. Like it's,
0: yeah, uh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Like it's that's kind of something I was thinking about recently too. it's uh, uh, you can get too abstract, like you're talking oh. about, and then um, it's like you can get too heavenly, oh. and your love is are uh, too that. There's something about the incarnation that's just so profound because it, it 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 takes both and it's like if i if i get too abstract and too in the universe then um the person beside me gets uh is expendable or something you know it's like he's he's just this little insect in the story in the overall vast scheme of things and so it's like the that that incarnation is just like such a huge linchpin in and everything we do, like it has to be, it has to be both. Like you have to care about the the overall story and all of humanity and the universe as much as the the person sitting next to you. Um,
1: and yeah, I guess a lot of that is always in in all of the parts, and it's like a fractal thing. Um, and who said? That? <sighs> Oh yeah, somebody else in another conversation said like the transcendent particular, that that's what God is or how it works in um, like absolute universals, right? But then these are always instantiating like absolute particulars. And it's when you start getting into this realm of like generalities that is like very fuzzy and sort of dangerous, I guess, like say the state. That might crush, like the idea of like a, the individual person and things like that, or like humanity as a whole, defined in a way that subsumes like the sanctity of the individual human and such. Yeah, but it's a transcendent particular. Is a, a better an everyday example of that is like in a film. moment that's gonna like they say if you want to convey the essence of tragedy don't show like some big cliche scene of like a huge explosion show like a kid's socks lying on the side of the road just in a bunch of dirt and rubble and such like in the aftermath and that little little very specific moment is like like that is the most powerful expression of this whole big abstract universal
0: yeah that's fascinating that's a really good point it's, You'll good. See
1: everywhere.
0: it's good imagery too yeah that, that really hits hits the heart more yeah yeah because if things get too lofty yeah it just becomes some form of tyranny and it's like it needs to yeah i don't know I, yeah it's often that if you go too high too abstract it's like then yeah it just turns into tyranny like you said and then the sword comes down from heaven the bomb comes down and it's just uh, but when you get if you go to the other way and get too keep dissecting things too much it kind of does the same thing it just all falls apart on you and it's like the, it's like yeah. the fire from heaven or the flood yeah. it's like both either one and uh and so you have to kind of you have to have a, a proper combination of both and I've heard people say that as well that like the the masculine is also often associated with fire and so it's kind of like the very hard line thinking like and so that's yeah. kind of the fire from and then the feminine's the subconscious and waters and stuff and so the the flood if you go too far one way it's just a flood if you go too far the other way it's tyranny or something and it's that that image of seeing the the child kind of um really brings it brings both together or something i don't know i don't know or it really strikes at the heart where you're it brings you back i think to where you realize there i don't know <laughs> i don't know what i'm getting at like but, it's yeah.
1: constantly it's what it's like thesis into synthesis thesis again constantly like the two extremes are always being joined together and then they sort of grow but mm-hmm. yeah. and I guess that reminds me of Paggio's thing on Genesis and heaven and earth and you have heaven earth heaven earth heaven earth like all these layers but it's always that opposition but it gets repeated and it gets both of them get shoved into like and embodied in the same one thing and that's the gestalt and stuff.
3: Well, you know, Peterson, he, he echoed the Talmud, and he asked the question, what God lacks, and he gave the answer that was supplied in the commentary, which was limitation. And he gets into the, the weird paradox of the infinite or the illimitable um, as something which, you know, if it were truly infinite, it would also be finite. Or right? if it's illimitable, that, that is a limit on it. and um, you know, that that from that vantage point, um something like the incarnation seems to become necessitated. Or you know, if you have infinity known in conceptual contradistinction to you know, like the concept of finitude, then your concept of infinity just isn't what it is anymore, but there is a kind of deeper, absolute, or unlimited thing that, that rests at the bottom of, of that opposition you know, in virtue of which you're able to draw that contrast in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so that is that kind of nature of the dialectic where, see, I wonder if it works like this. I wonder if we have a kind of desire, say, and that's a kind of, what, a lack, a limitation And then something which which removes received to remove the limitation. And then so you have you have like say the I don't know the the finitude of of seeking and then the the infinite infinitude of consummation, however brief, of the completion where where, what it what is what is missing is supplied so that so that, that whole you see, if you have, if you have what something is and everything that it isn't, then together that's the infinite. And so it's, it's almost like in seeking to fill that void, that's the kind of operation that a psyche is trying to perform. Um, but it doesn't last forever. Cause you know, that thing that seemed like it was the answer to all your problems, once you get it, it becomes kind of very prosaic and like very taken for granted and your site is turned to something else. And um, But as far as sort of the necessity of some incarnation or for lack of a better term, terminalization, specification, um, for fear of things kind of disappearing off into some kind of abstract space, um, well, I have some thoughts about that, but I'm not even sure I'll attempt to, to verbalize them um, because I don't know how to do so quickly or elegantly at this point. I can do so with, uh, by bringing in my fearsome jargon, which is really, first of all, not very technical or, or smart. Um, I do say X and not X a lot to the point where it's definitely a meme and I definitely get made fun of a lot for that. But it's the only way I have for trying to explain relationships where like, if you have, if you have an instance and a pattern the instance is x the pattern is neither x nor not x you have you have finitude you have infinity you have space you have time you have um yeah and um i guess what i'm saying is that now is this even what i want to say
2: just go for it go for it We're some here.
3: kind of pure pure uninstantiated infinite. It's just it's I'm I'm seeing it as I'm seeing it as um because cause the infinite is truly is it's dynamic. You never actually catch sight of it. Um but it's it's that in virtue of which you're able to to think in the first place. And without it, if your if your mind were not some kind of like like living contradiction and dynamic alternation, you would you know it's because it's, it's it's like change. Change is kind of impossible. Like you can never see the moment where it happens, um, and yet it's like, and that would kind of make you think that it can't happen. But it's like it's always happening. Um, and uh, well, I guess I guess what I'm saying is, some kind of like pure abstraction is is not the infinite that. That it ought to be as as a pure abstraction it's it's instead something finite known in distinction to um, uh, some other finite concept but you know I, I don't even know that that's right, and I'm saying the word infinite much too often these days, and it's because i'm I'm really I guess I might be nearing some kind of new insight or maybe just not at all um, but but it has again to do with as you guys can tell, I'm pretty hung up on the question or topic of like sort of the the way the mind works and and whether there's something you know because i used to be i used to always i used to be always hung up on this question like like in the socratic dialogues uh socrates asks a young temple acolyte whether the gods love what is good because it's good or if what's good is good because the gods love it um and And it occurred to me at some point, maybe just maybe just wrongly or maybe just trivially, um, that the reason that listen, I wrote it down, it'll be not great, but it, it'll express it. I called it I called it um Buridan's ass, um because there's the there's the notion in philosophy of the donkey that it has two identical um piles of straw to choose from in terms of eating dinner but they're so similar they're so exactly identical that he doesn't have any reason to prefer one to the other so he just keeps looking back and forth between them until he starves there's like a totally moronic idea just like you know just like achilles trying to pass the tortoise but he can't because first he has to get halfway there then he has to get before he can get halfway he has to get a quarter way before he can get quarter way he has to get an eighth way and so, like theoretically, it's impossible, but in real life, it just passes the hair, right? It's not—it's no problem. So, but um, so I said, if I have a range of options and one seems good to me, in virtue of what is it good for me? I see the one I choose as an instance of myself. It's like I'm a pattern seeking an instance of myself. Um, I see it as in my own image, which at some level is also my image of God, my highest image of the infinite. This is, some, this is the idea that I'm trying to chase down because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether, whether the act of choosing something, of valuing something is a kind of self-identification. And that the reason we choose what we choose is that it, it corresponds to some internal image we have of ourselves. But then that image we have of ourselves is, is something more than just the image like we have of like our physical bodies it's also it's like more like the image we have of ourselves where ourselves converge with our world which again is very much like what what the idea of god is so i've really been hung up on that i've been talking about that like all the time so maybe i need to kind of chill and not uh, it's
0: kind of a scary thought though right like if you sit back and think am i choosing certain things um Cause I would, I would, I don't know. To me, it's a little, some of it. I one aspects of it scary in that I, I, I think if I'm choosing something just because I want to self-identify with how I already perceive myself or something, it's, I could get lost. You know, like if I want to be a, a punk or like a rebel. Solipsism. sounds a little bit like yeah. what?
3: Like solipsism. Like you can't escape yourself. Everything's just you, 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 you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But,
3: but like the thing is, if what you are, Like as a consciousness, conscious mind, is a kind of infinite being. That then, then it's like whatever is infinite has no opposite, and it is its own backdrop, and everything is in terms of itself, even what it isn't. So, and Mm -hmm. and 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 it accomplishes that through reflexivity, which again looks like a dialectical process of dynamic alternation or you know like thesis and this is antithesis so in some sense it has to be like that just like ultimate reality has to be something that just it only gives itself in terms of itself That's really okay. what heidegger foundered on because he he just kept saying like cryptic tautologies like being yes it gives itself it's like okay um you know it like it it but at the same time it's like what what else could you ask for Um, because if it could be reduced to something deeper then it wouldn't be you know any kind of notional ultimate reality so
4: so.
1: yeah and like I guess as soon as you get into the realm of existing at all etymologically x being like coming out of so existing at all, like quote unquote, out of that, just pure self. Then immediately you have like a self and another, and then you get into the, the dialectic and like, gestalt and, um, yeah, things that are different but also hold together because, of, because of love. Yeah. But I think that's that's very good about what choosing, what I choose and what I value is because I see myself in that. It is like my personal experience spot on
3: if love is what's holding the self and the other and the predicate and the complement the thing that is and the thing that the thing that it is and the thing that it isn't if if love is what's holding that together then that means love is um infinite and it's not just a finite part or aspect of reality and and um that kind of makes sense because it's like in a sense familiarity does breed contempt the mind is always scanning the horizon for new uh, you know new new objects of desire, which is inevitably doing that
1: but i I made a video about this. This is my very kind of incoherent video that I made in Paris, but I guess okay, so like define what is yeah, familiar what is food? to perceive something at all, you have to have some level of familiarity with it or there, there has to be some kind of part in you that mirrors it, that allows you to like perceive it and have that sort of correspondence. So if something was completely unfamiliar, it would be totally imperceptible. Like we would never perceive it because it would just be just, I mean, I, one presumes there are such eldritch realities. I don't know, who knows. Um, no,
3: I don't think so. That's what I was telling Jason in our last conversation. Because of those things, you couldn't mean anything when you said that they exist. Um, Yeah, I
1: guess they exist. It's like out of
3: our perception right now. So, because ordinarily the meaning of a statement like it exists is cashed out in terms of the impact that it has on your reality. But this notional thing that exists and yet has no impact on reality, you know, it's like the unrelated relationship or the real thing that simultaneously affects nothing and is affected by nothing. In other words, it's it's completely overlapping with your definition of something that doesn't exist. Um, but then again, see what, what that is, the, the nothing and the nothingness is like that, that infinite, like, um, backdrop to all your um, mentation and all your you know thinking so it's like you can't see it touch it think it feel it or whatever and you know to point it to, to point at it is to miss it um but at the same time it's like it's always it's, it always has to be there it's like the dao you know the dao that can be named is not the eternal dao but still a dao is you know the super
4: duper important thing um yeah but
1: anyway I guess like that's true. I suppose it would have to share it would have to share something with us but beyond our present ability to perceive. However or like No I
3: mean like you can't perceive it. You, you can't but like at the same I thought time we were it's just like
1: My whole thing about realities beyond our perception is not able to be.
3: Yeah, no. I mean it's 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 the same kind of it's just the same kind of paradox of of nothing where it's like no, you can't talk about it, but if I can't talk about it, then why am I trying to talk about it? Kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, um, I
1: remember I have some existential crises about like the concept of nothingness or non being. That one has stopped horrifying me now. So I forgot about it, but I'm sure it'll come back. But no, but like, so a better ex- or a, more, a less extreme example would be like a totally unfamiliar, like a language like. Chinese or something versus a language like Italian so and I guess there was this connection between like the idea of newness is kind of connected with interest no
3: I, I totally I like agree with you like there has to be yeah. some kind of internal like category or schema or something like in Cormac McCarthy in one of his novels he said the, the, the it's like the mind can't the, the heart can't understand what it has no shape to hold something like that um, there has to be a shape you know, for you to like, there has to be something in you that it already answers, kind of thing. I know, I certainly agree with that. Um, I wasn't even trying to disagree so much as I don't know. I don't even know what I was trying to do.
1: That that, that familiarity can breed contempt, is it can? But I think if it's true familiarity, as in like knowledge, as in love, as in becoming more and more, to me at least, the the funny thing about that sort of principle of newness slash interest slash the more you know is like to me at least the things that I can think of that most of that sensation of like newness and surprise and interest are at least found in the most familiar places or basically it's like a new aspect of someone that I know and love like that's the newest thing that I can think of and I think that the more familiarity and experience I have with that person the more like paradoxically like the more New every new like
3: facet will be. Used. No, I I would agree with that too, but I I can't I don't really know why that's the thing.
2: You don't know why the the familiarity.
0: Like,
4: mm-hmm.
0: why that why that brings about more like life for her. I, I yeah, mean, in other words,
3: I definitely suspect that what Abigail is saying is correct, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't. So, in other words, I share that intuition. I think. But I don't know why.
0: I was, I'm, I mean, I could be way off base here. So I'm just trying to track with you guys. But to me, I would think that's because Abigail is operating from a place of, like, mercy and love and forgiveness or something. So, like, you get hit a point of familiarity. Um, and correct me if I'm getting off base or something. But any familiarity, the more you grow in familiarity with somebody, you can either kind of fall into resentment or contempt or something or it, or you can if you're operating in love then the difference in the opposition is like a, a communal thing and you almost appreciate it rather than resent it um does that make sense at all is, is this am I getting off base here like the the so if uh like if you notice how um I'm trying to think of an example or something like you could have uh for okay here's an amazing example one time i had this girlfriend and she would leave the, the cap off the toothpaste and i freaking hated it um but it's like if i was operating in a place of like forgiveness and love it could be like you could find a little quirk that the more you get familiar familiar with the person that that um those little things are what you truly uh, bring bring more life to the relationship is
3: it and it's almost like that kind of otherness that liberates you from yourself right Mm -hmm. because who talks about like you sacrifice your false self to find your true self in the other and agape has that way of doing that with with identity it has that way of identifying completely with the other as other and not just what not just to the extent that the other resembles oneself or for whatever the other can do you know for oneself it it, it's it's it is um it's that selflessness that allows it to like be both itself and its complement and be infinite kind of thing because like any other any other false value is a false identity and that's a disintegration in yourself that's like you're being blocked off you know if you worship like gambling there's anything you're just cut off from the rest of yourself and you're stuck in that little hell right and like agape is living and breathing it's it's uh, you know, it's it's that it's that life where like where God moves over the spirit of the waters, like breath, like uh, Siegel called it transpiration, I want to say, breathing across.
1: Yeah, I think that love as like the experience of it, I guess it is most if you want to abstract it. Um i would define as like the simultaneous tension speaking of this antithesis thesis thing uh of complete like s- self-giving and those pouring out yourself for the other outerly but then also simultaneously complete like desire to receive the other and if those two are in that perfect tension like it creates a balance where you don't annihilate yourself totally which obviously doesn't work or you don't, you know, make that other person, like, not be themselves anymore,
3: but, right, because if there weren't, if there weren't selfhood and otherness, if there weren't a difference, then there couldn't be oneness, right, yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah, that's very important, that's why the trinity is there, and that's why the trinity is not a flat onism, the trinity is, like, the minimum, like, triangular requirements for relationality, for love, something like that,
1: I was thinking about that too. I was thinking about like two versus three and like,
4: I don't
1: know, no. I guess like, to me, we have self and other that I guess implies some sort of a, yeah, like an identity, underlying identity. Yeah. Yeah. Underlying identity, and then three some sort of, kind of implies, matrix like, beneath the center. dualism. It's the same way. Like, yeah. three all, three are perfectly balanced. It implies some sort of center, which I guess is why you have that, like, that God is da, 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 and you have God. Yeah. No, two does as well, that's fair.
5: Oh.
2: Yeah. It's really,
0: yeah, I like what you guys are saying about the self and the other, and how you have to let the other person exist. And it's that love, the, the, the whole idea of the Trinity and the the Holy Trinity. I guess is that is that Christ. What did George McDowell say? Christ is God's forgiveness, um, and so it's like that. God lets you be other, right? So he can he can love you, and then but it's like then you're just two, like you said, Abigail, you're just two, and you're you're not connected. And then it's the forgiveness, the Christ, the idea of the Holy Trinity, the Christ, the Holy Spirit, the the forgiveness that brings the, the two, the self and the other back together. Or I guess you could say um, it would, would be love, but if there's a um, transgression or whatever, you know, a fall, I guess you need the the forgiveness or mercy or whatever you want to call it to, to pull them back together. I don't know. I, this is fascinating though. I need to definitely chew on this more is that you guys are really causing me to think a little higher especially with the the um the identity aspect of it too and knowing yourself through and how love love even knows itself through the finite and the infinite self and the other x and not x (laughs)
1: oh yeah i do find like i said another thing which was that if you like Love somebody else. here. two two holes of a hole,
2: instead of two halves of a hole, But it's like two holes of a hole. I don't know. Like you said again, two holes of a hole.
4: Two holes of a hole. Yes. All right. I got you on that one.
0: Not two halves of a hole. Yeah, I think I get it. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when when you were talking uh that's when i started i i saw in shapes for a little bit too and it was the i was on some weird um fast for a while and then i started uh in shapes and it was just weird like i started seeing the star of david and everything and it was uh kind of the same idea was it it was like i was seeing the the trinity in the star of david and you have the two because i kept thinking about it too i was like two just has this trying to think about this um trying to think the right word uh just the feel of numbers, like the the quality rather than the quantity, um, and so I just kept thinking too. It just always feels like a separation to me. It never really felt like the unity. Um, and so I don't know. Maybe I was wrong there, but then I started.
4: You
2: ever been then, in love? What? Sorry, what would you say?
1: Have you ever been in love?
2: Yeah, but that's
0: that's the that's the third part though, right? Because if you don't have the love, then you, you're just two. Does that makes sense like that's what i've seen in shapes
1: love was like,
4: in yeah
0: that's yeah
3: super because, interesting because you're saying love is love is like a, a kind of yeah, that
1: makes
5: love as like an i don't know yeah it makes love it
3: as another yeah right yeah. right right and that's why people would say it's weird to say that the the holy spirit is a person right yeah but um uh i don't know if it may be weird but i don't know if it's wrong, um, uh, <laughs> but like i think what jason is saying like is like if there is if there's just two person like love is like you know it's two distinct persons and then like an underlying oneness, okay and then mm-hmm. if there's just two only two elements in this picture then it's just really like you have two lonely people almost that they're not related as i feel like what mm-hmm. jason is saying
0: yeah yeah like any any stranger out in the world i'm not connected to until i have love or something like because i i'm like there's there's me and then there's some random person out on the street or whatever. And then, or I could say some girl I've never even met. And until I meet her and fall in love with her, like it's the love that would like bring the two holes together. Like you're talking about like not. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, yeah, it is kind of weird, I guess. Cause when you draw it out like in a shape or something, it's putting a third point, you know? Um, but yeah, that's got, yeah. That's the idea I was getting at Cal. And it just seems like, then I see the Trinity is just like, like, I think I heard, I probably, I mean, I don't know who I first heard said it because you all, all of you guys say it, but the unifi- yeah, unity of multiplicity or something like that. So you can have a trinity through, through uh, so many different things. It's just kind of a pattern of 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 the unity unifying two things into one. So you could have a covenant of marriage that brings the two, the husband and wife together. So they're they're it holds them together, right? The, the merit, the covenant of marriage, and then you could have a a brotherhood, like you could have. I'm me and my brother are held together through this like kind of third thing or it's like it's like a bond that that holds you together through brotherhood or you could have um um does that make sense at all and there's like there's like always a um I don't know if it's a, a telos I don't know what it is but there's always like a it seems like this this third thing that I don't want to say thing, things, not the right word. I guess you guys try get what the idea I'm trying to get at that, that pulls the two together. And that's what I was saying. Like, I think earlier, like forgiveness is what seems to like, after the fall, it's like God pull, it pulls God back to man. And, uh, and it causes love to expand or something. Cause it's like, that's, it's like the the ultimate demonst- demonstration of love or something is, is un the ultimate demonstration of unconditional love is, uh, display of forgiveness or something like that
1: yeah that's interesting and it's so in that like view of the trinity i understand what's all of the confusion about the holy spirit and so in all of those in, or in both of those cases the thing that's holding the two together there's like two beings and then the third is like a little bit different and almost yeah. in a class whereas not really supposed to, like with the trinity a lot of the time they'll say no it's like and obviously it's not you can't put a final definition on it. So it's fine that there's this conflict, but it's interesting because in all, all of those, I guess it, the th- other thing would be sort of spirit, like arising out of the, you know, the covenant or the bond or whatever, but it is like a more spiritual sort of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as much as it's not as embodied. And I guess that's the yeah.
0: point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think where it was, that where is you embodied. could maybe make the argument what Christians or Christians probably should make is where it was embodied was in Christ, was the display and maybe Stephen the martyr, to me i'm like that that to me the whole when i and i this is probably really bad of me because it puts the holy spirit in a box and he's not called the spirit of forgiveness for reasons i don't think he's supposed to be put in a box but whenever i think of the holy spirit i often think of the spirit of forgiveness because to me i'm like that's the the unity that no matter how hard you try it it holds me to you like you could do anything to me you could murder my children, my family, anything. Mm. And if I still say forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they do, then it cannot separate me you from me.
3: And that's like, and that's why the uh the unforgivable sin, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is unforgiveness, right?
0: Yeah, that's your, yeah. Your, that's how, how I understand mind. it, at least. Yeah. And yeah, that to me, terrible. that's the Holy Trinity, because that's that's the the unifying principle that just like won't let go, you know. I don't know. If that makes any sense.
3: Make makes sense to me. I have thoughts on that, but um. Let's hear him. Let's
0: hear him. I got time.
3: Well, I, I don't know. I think Abigail was going to say something. Well, I mean, I'll I'll go I'll go down this road then, because um. So there was um, I mean, it's going to sound so. I mean, the the stuff that I come up with is just like, kind of very kind of. Out of left field, often super lateral um, and that that you know people who don't know me well doubt my you know sanity or would be you know reasonable to sort of doubt my sanity for bringing in such seemingly unrelated topics, and then people people who do know me well may also have caused to doubt my sanity. that's um, kind of a joke um, um, you know, I was so okay, so i i i remained i i okay here this is it i i listen to a lot of true crime stuff in general, and there's one case in particular that i am i've always been fascinated is not the right word because it, it it it's just it's just um it's really just become it, it's it's the story of um of um adam lanza the per, the person who who, who killed. 20 first graders in Sandy Hook Elementary School as well as like six school staff members, but you can see already that this level of evil is the kind of evil that you do just people have different ideas why why he did that and they but but I think I know what motivates a person to do that and and um it's that um they do it because it's the most evil thing they can think of doing. It's almost like the, 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 in that kind of violence, it's like the self is asserting its value um, in, a, in a society that, that is indifferent to it and so doesn't recognize any value in it. And sort of the, the value that it is asserted to have is proportional to the degree of violence somehow. It's some, something like this, I suspect. And um, Um, And I'm trying to remember now the the original point that brought me to this. Is this forgiveness is something that is like, if it's there, then you know, it will never let you go. You know, you know, you can't be separated from God if that forgiveness is there. And and uh, no matter how unfathomably terrible, um, you know, the the strain that is placed on that forgiveness. So you know, Adam Lanza did that, and. um, and and on top of it, there's just things and the things that he is reported to have said when he was in the school, and also the things that he was reported to have said when he was a child himself. Um, Luke Thompson said that to wish your problems away, you know, is 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 is, is almost to wish away that in virtue of which you exist as the person that you are. David Foster Wallace said that the self to uh, the, the, the struggle to arrive at an authentic human self results in itself inseparable from that horrific struggle. So but is, so to wish your problem away is to wish your own being. Well, Adam Lanza, when he was a child, they asked him, the, 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 the therapist asked him, if you could have one wish, what would you wish for? Which is a great way to you know, understand who someone is. And he said, I wish that whatever was granting the wishes would not exist. You know, think here of 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 Goethe's Mephistopheles that says, "I'm the spirit who negates." you know what exists is so terrible that it would be better if it had never been. And he was always like that, you know ever since he was like like eleven or twelve. It's like super evil. Um, um, and um, his father, in a in a piece for The New Yorker called "The Reckoning" by Andrew Solomon, a fantastic, amazing writer, um, he said that um, He's thought about it a lot, but there's no longer any doubt in his mind that, that he wishes that Adam Lanza had never been born. And um, and I think again of Jordan Peterson at the end of Maps of Meaning, where he where he talks about how to love someone um, and lose them. Um, is is never to be in the position of wishing that they had never been so that you wouldn't have had to suffer that pain. That doesn't compute. Because to love them is 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 to presuppose on some level the normativity of their existence. So if you love them, that means their existence was good and should have been, right? Like Tennyson says, I hold it true whatever befall, I feel it when my sorrow most is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And so it's that idea. So in other words, what what Peter, Lanza, what Peter Lanza, Adam Lanza's father is saying, when he says he wishes now that Adam had never been born, which like, can you, you can't blame him for that until you actually could imagine the unimaginable of like living in his situation, which you can't, like nobody can. Um, uh, well, some people can, but you know, you don't want to imagine what their lives have been like. So, um, you know, um, so what that's saying is, Peter Lanza has ceased to love his son that's What it's saying that that love had a limit and it was broken, and and um, you know, because I was thinking about like sort of Adam Lanza as like in terms of you know Christian universalism and what Tennyson called the larger hope. Because, on one level, like what you think is like, um, okay, and Jesus said, if even the light that is in you is darkness, how, how great is the darkness? If someone could do that, and that means that. They, they were only darkness and that whatever would re, nothing would remain after some process of you know, purgatorial purification. There would be nothing because there was never any light in there. That's, that's what part of me thinks. But then the question, the other side is, is, is whether, whether God is like Peter Lanza. Is he an earthly father that he could ever rue the day that one of his sons was born? Or is he the father of lights in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning? That the God Himself is pure light, is no darkness, and that makes me think that He's never capable of going back on His love for anyone. He never ceases to regard them, never ceases to think of them, and that means that He never ceases to sustain them in being. So that means, in some sense, this is what it says: he, um, He's not God of the dead; He's God of the living. To Him, all are alive. But you know, when you can't imagine the, the condition in which someone could someone who did that continues to exist because it's like you are integrated with you know with with the victims of of of, of the violence that you commit and so you have to imagine the or you have to experience the the unimaginable suffering that that you cause and you can't like you know you can't imagine like like how terrible it is in hell kind of thing but at the same time it's just i can't i can't see that he would ever be um Anni- i can't see that he would ever be annihilated um i see him as hell um inescapably you know I, I i see us as sinners in the hands of a loving god so that bond that can't ever break that's what i was thinking of when you talked about the forgiveness um and um i mean on some level it's a terrible thing because because you know, we don't want to forgive people and, and, you know, people have very good reasons for not wanting to forgive people. Um, and if, you know, Jesus is going to demand forgiveness for, you know, because, you know, Christians, a lot of Christians will say, well, we'll never have to be in the position of having to forgive, you know, people like Adam Lanzar or Adolf Hitler because they never repented uh, ever. And they never accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior or whatever. But just imagine that someone who did horrible things did that. Then Jesus would be in the position of like enforcing forgiveness from you for that person, right? It's terrible, like. So I mean that that forgiveness is not a, it's not a light thing. That's an extremely heavy thing. Yeah. She's here. Hey,
4: Shay. Hey,
2: we're
0: in the middle of talking about forgiveness and how it's the uh, the unifying force of. That- basically doesn't let go and cal just um, was talking about was it adam lanza and uh, his uh the, the thought i had when you were talking Cal, was that um when his father said i wish that he hadn't been born um i guess if you're looking at it from a material from maybe from his father's perspective the love was broken there but immediately my thought jumped over to judas and i was thinking more like um like a father almost weeping for his son, being like, "My son had to grow up and experience uh nothing but hatred, like I wish he would have just died in on on the birth stools, you know, so he didn't have to know a life of just absolute um bitterness and resentment and uh contempt my thought went my thought went i guess i guess where the love wasn't necessarily broken, it was just a, out of out of like maybe more of a broken heartedness or something because um, to me i think that's that's kind of what i thought think when jesus mentions that about judas he's just like this uh it would have been better for him uh not not better for me but better for him if he hadn't have he doesn't have to experience this uh what this psychological trauma i guess of having having betrayed your your savior, or that you're gonna have to deal with later, or something like it would have been better to to have um, died young than to experience a life of um, of hatred.
1: Yeah, and I guess that sort of connects to the other reason why the whole never lets go thing can be sort of awful sometimes, um, which is that uh, you're also held down and like forced to do the healing for your own mistakes. And I, I don't know, I, having been uh, like, I can see how in a lot of, through whatever process, you know, somebody like Adam would have to go through to be, be healed and forgiven. I think the instinct would be just get me out of like annihilate me and like, I've been there a lot, um, of just my instinct always being, well, I'm evidently worthless and I'm causing all this trouble to like integrate me back into any kind of health. Can I just, it would just be so easy. Can I just like be done? Can I just be, uh, forget about me? And like, can we start, it's like, no, no. That's like, what is the spirit of negation that's always quite evil, which is always saying, no, like this is a mistake. We can't push this, just get rid of it. And that's something that like has been haunting me for, for quite a long, time
5: and I right. think so
1: and touching love, he definitely had Adam the, it's so touching that he would say that as a kid like I wish whoever was giving like ah uh, but yeah I think but
3: love love conversely is the spirit of relentless integration yep. right mm-hmm. and, and you
1: never give up just going. Like,
3: right integration or negation mm. and it's always integration through negation on some level because because what you know the devil competes against god but god has no competition he's not in competition with the devil everything you know the devil means it for evil god meant it for good whatever whatever um, you know there's there there is there is no way to to thwart the plans of god one only ever ends up serving them kind of or furthering them the, the ends of
0: Yeah, it makes me when you were talking to Abigail, it made me think of uh, Lilith. Some that's just this chapter in Lilith where it's about repentance and she kind of comes to that point of just like uh, why don't you just annihilate me? Like why would why would you why why do this to me? You're just torturing me at this point, uh, trying to trying to love me. Um, yeah.
6: Do you remember that quote that I that Mara said to her in Lilith. I can't remember it right offhand. But I, know, I,
0: I can grab my book, though.
6: Um, I think I
2: sent it to you.
0: You probably did.
2: It was such a good quote about
4: that. I, I won't be able to find it. It I would can. be a
6: It would be a miracle. <laughs> I found it. <laughs> Be witnessing a miracle.
0: What you said, Cal, about the um, yeah, it seems like a lot of the a lot of um, when we think about Adam Lanza and Hitler and stuff like that, and we we often avoid the thought of ever forgiving them because we feel like, well, we just don't have to because they're in hell and we know where they're at and whatever. And you just like a lot of, or at least seems like a lot of a lot of Christians do that, and I think that's when. Craig actually brought it up to me once, and when he first brought it up, I was just like, "This is a terrible idea." But it's something about Christ being the Antichrist, and and then after he brought it up, I was just I I thought about it more because I and then I, I it seems to me it's because he brought it up I think because he read about it from Carl Jung, which you know is Jordan Peterson talked about talks about him a lot, and so it made me kind of think of when Jordan Peterson says that if you really go down that thought pattern he says he's not he can find himself not far off from those people and i'm like and it's same thing with me like i know what it would take for me to get there um i know so to me if i'm supposed to be christ there's also this weird thing where i'm supposed to not be antichrist but see how easily it is to be antichrist um is it? It's this weird sort of paradoxical place. I think where I was just like thinking about it, and I was like, "How could I not extend forgiveness down to someone like Hitler or Adam Lanza?" And that's kind of where I'm at now. I think because it's just like I, I could have easily been there, especially if I think of, God, if I was born in their family, like if different cards were dealt to me. I've been so blessed, and so it's just like, uh, um, I could I could easily be in their shoes, um, and then. So it, it does, causes that forgiveness to extend to the pit of hell and try to reconcile it and redeem it. Um,
1: yeah, as soon as you start like poking at the idea of trying to quantify evil, it's totally impossible. And it's so dependent upon circumstances, and it becomes like you're saying, just you see that we're like all in the same boat. And I mean, sometimes that just leads to despair. But at least it's a sort of sympathetic despair, like, oh man, how long is it going to take for us all to get out of this? It's like the spirit, that same spirit of like, of negation, of bitterness, of sort of deadness to others, and of like wanting to, like, assert myself and just doing the worst thing that I could think of. I, I definitely, within my own very smaller circle, like. <laughs> felt that way, it's just that I don't happen to have been in the condition where like get that far, but it's the same like spirit of, and then of course, you know, we all, uh, are, or like, for instance, what is worse to be like Hitler or to be a parent that simply like, wasn't ready to have kids or had a kid sort of accidentally and then ends up like subtly or no, okay, no, or just like to be a parent and like subtly abuse your kid for years and years and years and it doesn't get seen and it's just this emotional damage every day, every minute of every day, but it's like personal. i like, which one is worse? Can you really say it?
6: it's, yeah. It's all. I found the quote.
2: Yes, let's hear it's it. Just it's like, nice. it's a
6: miracle. You witnessed a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Lilith is with Mara and Mara is that uh, means uh, her home is the House of Bitter Waters. And the little one asks Mara, she says, will you hurt her very much, Lady Mara, said the girl, putting her warm little hand in mine. Yes, I am afraid I must. I fear she will make me, answered Mara. It would be cruel to hurt her too little. It would have all to be done again, only worse. May I stop with her? No, my child, she loves no one. Therefore, she cannot be with anyone. There is one who will be with her, but she will not be with him. Will the shadow that came down the hill be with her? The great shadow will be in her, I fear, but he cannot be with her or with anyone. She will know I am beside her, but that will not comfort her. Will you scratch her very deep? Please don't make the red juice come. Oh, hang on. She caught him up.
5: Wait, I think I'm missing.
6: Yeah. She caught him up, turned her back to the rest of us, Drew the muffling down from her face and held him at arm's length that he might see her. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's it. I am afraid I must. I fear she will make me, answered Mara. It would be cruel to hurt her too little. And, you know, it sounds like you guys are talking about that. Jess and I have been talking about this because of the book of Job to be or not to be, right? That is the question. <laughs> that is really what you're talking you about. You don't
1: get the choice. There's always somebody who is forcing you to be because they. Well,
6: that's 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 thrownness, right? Like we we're thrown into the world, like we don't choose to be, and, and Job Job has this, you know, in the very beginning of Job, he he talks about not being not being born, right? He wishes he was never born, and um, and the way I look at it is that that's really the only logical conclusion that you can come to. Because to be means that you're 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 going to be in this world of pain and suffering, right? That's that's what it's going to require of you, and um, and the and so you know, Job doesn't think about suicide because that's that that's kind of a cowardly way out of what is happening to him. He thinks it through to its logical end. And its logical end is that he should have never been born. That's its logical because because to be born is to be, um, to exist is to be in the world and the world will have its way with you. The world will, right? It's malevolent. You're you're in the thorns and um, I think that's what Shakespeare's also talking about in Hamlet, right when he's when he's asking to be or not to be right? That is the question and um yeah, when you were talking about Adam Lance's dad, I thought, you know there's so many reasons to say what he said, and they and they're not all they're not all terrible um if his son had never been born, he would have never suffered the loss of his son, right? And I mean, like the entire loss of his son.
4: Yeah.
3: No, I think that's a really important point to bear in mind. Um, that um, there, there is something that I wrote down because I wanted to share it too. I don't, I don't. I don't want to backtrack too far, but, but Jason was talking about, what did you say, that to be Christ is, is at least I understand, antichrist, right? I, yeah, I think I like-
0: in, in the sense that, um, what does he say, uh, Christ, come, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. So like, in, kind of in that sense of like, I'm, I am antichrist <laughs> and that's why he saved me. Um, because does that makes sense.
3: I really appreciated the way that that um, Abigail was showing, like a kind of empathy with what um. You know what 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 Adam Lanza had said, and that that prediction that predicament of being caught in the thorns, right? Because you exist, and 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 there's nothing you can do about it. Um which incidentally was was behind a lot of his um, you know that was that was be, that was behind his you know the problems that he had with society with 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 life you know he was an antinatalist who thought it's better better not to exist um, and um but this this empathy it has it goes back into um what i was talking about as valuing something as a kind of self-identification with it and valuing someone as as seeing oneself in them or seeing them as in the image of oneself. And like you either see the humanity of someone in that way or you don't. Um, and, uh, you know, I can, I can, I can understand. I mean, the, the reason I thought I understood the motives for what he did better than a lot of uh, people have, um, uh, you know, better than the explanations that a lot of other people have put forward is that is that I I think I learned. um, What peterson says, uh, you will learn if you become sort of uh, mature enough like that that through through bitterness and resentment, you will discover your own capacity for evil. So, I definitely learned what it's like to have that kind of antisocial bitterness and resentment resentment, even if it never reached that level of ideation. Um, um, but uh, yeah I, I think that um you know, so it's like there's it's like understanding evil, and it's like, surely, if someone understands these people, Christ does. but then again, I've been reading like I've been reading stuff like I was learning about like like rings of like child traffickers and like uh people say they're kind of right-wing conspiracy theories and, and the idea of like satanist child traffickers is, is like it's like a right-wing conspiracy theory but it i was i was listening on this guy's podcast it's called martyr maid and this guy is not a is not a a BS-er. um he always brings his sources and his facts to bear and um it was pretty pretty scary because i was realizing like this stuff really does exist but it's a level of evil that i cannot fathom i just can't understand it i can almost begin to maybe understand human evil even even the worst kind. but then there's another kind of evil that it's like where it's just it's just just trying I don't even, it doesn't seem to be, it doesn't even seem to be a protest against um, the, the the brute tyranny of existence that it wishes God would undo. It's not trying to escape from suffering. It's just actively thriving on and feeding on, on the suffering of other people as an end in itself. And, and um, you know, it's like, that's a different kind of like it's an eldritch horror, almost like in the sense that it breaks your your categories you have nothing in terms of which to understand that and it makes me wonder whether you know your universalism is all well and good but but you should stay out of stuff that you don't understand because there may be a kind of evil for which there is no possibility of redemption and deserves only annihilation it's like you should you should stick to what you know, which is nothing. So shut up. Uh, you know that's the kind of thought that I had when I listened to that that podcast. And I realized, like, like, damn, this is a whole different level of evil <laughs> Um anyway, so uh, yeah yeah I don't know. but maybe there's some way that it makes sense maybe it's still like a rational nature that's oriented towards some kind of good even in in the like darkest expressions maybe everything that exists is in some sense in the image of god and pursues god as the good through sort of like infinite dialectical transformation maybe there's something that can always be redeemed you know lucifer can be redeemed even if the form of evil satan has to be continually eradicated I don't know, but I'm just saying there's levels of evil and then there's just like then the bottom drops out and there's like different levels you didn't even realize existed kind of thing.
6: Well this is you know like McDonald talks about um hell and he talks about um not getting out until you've paid every last farthing but but you're paying it to your brother or your sister. It's not it's not a payment due god, which is which which really stood out to me when I read in, in the justice sermon, right? Like, um, I mean, if, so you could ask, maybe you could ask this question, Cal, was Adam Lenz's father offended, disgusted, let's say by his son? Um
4: For what he did,
6: or was what he did was the only was if if there was any if we lived in a ma- magical world where things could be restored, what would need to be restored? Well, I, I would assume it would be the lives of those people that he he took, right He took lives um, first and foremost, but I have a sneaking suspicion. And I could be wrong, that Adam Lanza's father still loved his son, and that the debt that Adam Lanza owed would have been to those people, those other people that he harmed, right? Not necessarily to his father. I guess that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. You know, if you if you look at it the way George MacDonald talks about it, right that that you 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 get out of hell once every last farthing has been paid to your it's a it's a horrible it does it
3: does it does sound correct to me And yeah. and you know it, with with man it is impossible with god all things are possible you mm-hmm. know we don't actually know what is possible in terms of restitution right um in god and and so that that doesn't nothing that you said sounds wrong um i guess um, I was also halted at because what I had said before you came was that it 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 seems to me that 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 God is not an earthly father, that he can rue the day that any of his children were born, but he is rather, as it is written, the father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. He never ceases to regard Adam as a, um, because he never ceases to love him. And as a result, adam lanza is whether he likes it or not sustained in being um, um he's a sinner in the hands of a loving god but the condition in which he is uh, you know sustained in being is 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 one of having to experience the unimaginable um mm-hmm. suffering that he created for those children uh who and and others countless others you know who whether he realized it or not part of his extended self and his true self um, that that self which he would he would access could he have reached that level of integration uh you know that would that would have been necessary but you know there are all these stumbling blocks and hangups and, and different things that prevent you from 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 doing that you know mental illness and ocd and panic disorder and, and all different things you know asperger's syndrome so it's just it's this kind of disintegration where um you know, when one can't, you know, easily or spontaneously, you know, interact with other people, one's kind of crippled or paralyzed by, you know, self consciousness and all different things, you know, d- it, but still, it, it's like that's a kind of human evil that is, and I know it's, it's already, it's, it may already be too much of a stretch to say understandable, but it's at least semi distantly, maybe potentially you know um after the age of ages understand but i'm talking about like there's there's another kind of evil that seems to maybe exist that is the evil that um seemed to be implied by what i was learning about like these child trafficking rings and um um and and they they do seem to be connected with with satanism which I don't know maybe that there is your in inroad to understanding the kind of human motivation for evil because these are people who are trying to get power from Satan essentially and Satan is basically protesting against existence by trying to to unmake it and Satan is a form that it has no being it literally has it's just it's just a shadow and it's it's always being it, you might say Lucifer is redeemed, but Satan, as the as the pattern of evil, is continually purged from and cycled out of reality. Um, and uh, it would be the complement of God. It would be that which God is not, um, unless we say, like the cabalists do, that God is the Ein Sof, you know, like and He is that a- absolutely, absolute, and infinitely infinite that that the evil is just another emanation of God, as it seems to be in the Old Testament, I am the Lord, I do good, I do evil. It seems to me there's something about the New Testament which is distancing itself from that. My way of understanding it is to say that one member of the Trinity, one, one hypothesis of the Usia, is the unlimited and the absolute, and that's like the Father, but then the Son is like the, is like the, the Logos, it's like the finite manifestation of of, of god in its totality and that is like an intentional mind of pure love of the highest the highest will of this of, of 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 the universe is something that that bends toward pure pure light and admits no darkness so um you know i have ways of trying to and then there's a there's a spirit a relationship between because what inf- the infinite what god really is is an interplay between the finite and the infinite. So there's a spirit that joins those two things, and it's it's that that relationship in virtue of which like change is is possible, um, um, and like the dynamic transformation, the dynamic transformations that we associate with like life and existence. But anyway, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. Can
0: I can I hop in here? There's like a I think a few things that I wanted to. Um, that I thought of while you were talking um so the one was the, the level of evil of adam lanza it's like um you could say there's um i, I don't know you you na- you named off a couple of things that um, are even i guess you could say even mental disorders or whatever or different um, personality disorders that we would t- associate them with whatever then my thought was immediately then we're just we're just coming up with scapegoats um the sin percent
3: Yeah, exactly. the sin is very that real. Slap a diagnosis on it and treat evil as a matter of mental illness versus mental health is completely false. It's a matter of good and evil, one hundred percent. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's 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 it's you can't scapegoat it and say, Oh, I did this because of this or whatever. It's like, no, he said those things. He did those things, live with it, and you have to pay every last farthing. But the thing with that is like I don't understand how you can without forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only way that you can pay it. Because if you look at the scope of infinity plus infinity plus infinity plus eternity plus eternity, if you sinned, make the smallest sin, you've committed an infinity of sins. Because like if he killed one child, well then that child could have he he cut off that child's life and that child could have maybe spoken to one person and that other child could have spoken to more people. And it's like this infinity of just like this endless fruitless garden that that he just extinguished in in one tiny sin and so it's like there's nothing that you can't pay that you can't pay the all the farthings without something like forgiveness i guess the only way
3: you could actually on on another level you cannot thwart the purposes of god right he meant Mm -hmm. it for evil but he meant it for good he will have always already found a way from before the foundation of the world to subvert that yeah um, uh, uh, but but um wanted to say I have often thought about whether you know because David Bentley Hart said in if he were to say go to heaven but none of his brothers were to be there he wouldn't be in heaven as himself at all it would just be some kind of anonymized essence that was the word he used so in a a kind of twist on that I imagine um, if you were to go in, in hell and go through the purgatorial process which involved like experiencing the unimaginable suffering that you inflicted on other people. It seems to me that there's a level of suffering that a a finite human ego or psyche can inflict where if it were to experience it all itself, it would completely collapse into nothingness. um, If it had to proportionally experience all the suffering that it did, it wouldn't survive as itself. It would become an anonymized essence. It would be completely annihilated by the the retribution that it brought up the this if you will the kind of empathic retribution that it brought upon itself if that's what you have to experience in hell um if you don't repent of your sin and, and, and let the judge commute the sentence say but it seems to me that the only way that an ego could survive it is if it would continually revive and resurrected by free, the forgiveness of its victims and in that way it's kind of reintegrated into the extended self that it always was um and 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 so I did write about that one time maybe I can find the quote to quote yeah. myself if anyone is Yeah I want to hear it. I I'm, I'm just I'm just, yeah. just trying to say that as a way of like making it transparently obvious like what a ridiculous suggestion that is.
6: <laughs> that always good to quote yourself every now and then. Yeah.
3: Well actually I have the winstitutes on my computer I told Jason about them and that means I can do a thing where I just kind of try to imagine how would i put it and then put that into the control f and then find it so
0: and what i mean what sherry said is extremely important is it's like the sin between each other that has to be reconciled and i think that's what it is like it's not a it's not it i don't know i just i can't think of it as a, a farthing farthing or whatever as a as a um it's more qualitative than quantitative because i'll never come up with enough enough um apologies you know it's like there has to be reconciliation between the two or there is no life there
6: that's why in that quote from Lilith Mara says she can't be with anyone Mm -hmm. right like she actually doesn't have the capability to be in relationship right yeah that's the point of what she's talking about there and um and what's interesting about Lilith is that in order for Lilith to sleep, uh, which is maybe a you know maybe an idea of the toll house or whatever, um, she has to let go of the thing that she has in her hand, right? But she's had it so long that her fingers have almost grown into her skin, right? And she's so weak from the from the you know which, you know, her, her rebellion against the, you know, what was happening with her and Mara right in the house. She's so weak from that interaction that she can't even, she can't even lift her head. Right. And so she asks Adam to cut her hand off. And that, and that is, I love that because, you know, that's a throwback to when Jesus said, it's better that you, you know, you lose your hand. Right. so then I ask myself, well, what is George talking about? What is he talking about there? Because you're talking about forgiveness, but there doesn't seem to be any forgiveness happening in that scene, right? It's what's happening is a letting go. That's what's happening, right? Of, of, of thinking that you possess, that you have the, even the ability To possess something, that anything could actually be your own, right? Just yours. Because if you are connected to everyone, right? If you are with everyone, then everything that you have is everyone else's. Everything that you've been through, everyone else has been through, right? everything that you've done to the one like jesus said if you've done it to one you've done it to me right that that's what he's talking about so to think that you have something that seems to me that that's what george is talking about and and that's and that's what lilith has to lose right um, she has to lose that that hand. She well, they they try to get her to open it, and she begs. She, she tries, but then she begs them to cut it off because she can't anymore, right? And I find that beautiful, like absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating too. that uh, He what after that? I think he goes and buries the hand, and then the the water and life comes back to the
6: surface. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because all the waters ran underneath remember
0: yeah yeah we had
6: access to the waters but you could hear them in the ground that's right um,
5: yeah
6: which is oh, go ahead well that's a description of the horror of babylon actually <laughs> in revelation yeah that 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 she i don't remember the exact words but that she possesses the waters, or something like that, ah, or she yeah. the
0: Right, something, yeah, 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 that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot mm-hmm. about that.
2: Man, what were you gonna say, Abigail?
1: Oh, to go back for a moment to the whole like, Cal oh, has gone now, like scales of uh, evil, and also the line between like mental illness and then like. To "Quote unquote," demonic possession or demonic influence or spiritual influence. Which I personally see as I just see angels and demons and such as like patterns. That could be a habit. It could be anything. I think it's like all around. I don't. I try not to like be all like ooh about it. I think it's like whatever that's describing is something that's just so normal and that's how our reality is actually constructed. But anyway, so to kind of understand, there is this horror fantasy podcast called The Silt Verses, which I just. If you have a strong mind and like, or you're in like an emotionally stable place, I so highly recommend just for, because it's like, I guess for understanding kind of what he's saying about levels of evil that just seem inhuman, but also it's almost, if you consider this world, it, it almost, it's a good framing of this world as like, a place under the influence of the lowercase g gods and the archons and all of that. So if you kind of believe in like the fall, it, um, cause it's what it is, is it's a set in a modern world where you have corporations and you have, um, you know, technology, et cetera. Then you also have gods and sacrifices and um, horrible like violence that's just become very normal and very much accepted. It's just sort of part of the cogs and the wheels and everything, and the gods, and basically everybody serves one of these gods and is like enslaved to it. And um, a god must feed, but at least you get to choose the thing that eats you. That's sort of the, there's so many quotable lines beautifully written, but it's just, that makes you think both about, um, I guess, about the kind of evil of like spiritual evil that maybe isn't so physically so obvious in our world, but that does sort of go unnoticed and it's just like part of things. And it's like, oh um, it's good. It's really good. So on all of that.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you went back to that. I think um uh, it's too bad he's gone now. I wanted to hear his quote too, but um yeah, yeah that's what I kind of meant, I think, when I I I mentioned um becoming antichrist is like there's like cal was talking about there's this level of evil that i can't quite conceptualize getting there um with like child trafficking and things like that and uh but it's like the forgiveness goes that far it does um and and i know that if somebody got there if some human got there uh that could have been me um I feel like most of the time I escape by the skin of my teeth, you know, and so i I have to almost kind of become antichrist in a way or or be willing to to see myself um as as worse chief of all sinners like it's only that that seeing myself as chief of all sinners where I'd be able to extend forgiveness to that that man that child traffics and that's just such a horrific thing and where you're saying it seems like from satan himself and i think it is because what what you talk about a lot sherry is that the the ideal is like the childlike and so we're kind of i mean god what are we doing to what we all want to get back to we have this image of a child this innocence and we're doing things like that to it it is it's hard to even Yeah, those levels of evil feel like the, like Kyle said, the bottom falls out or something. It's
1: like, honestly, when you, again, when you start to like analyze it, I don't know, it almost becomes, um, like it's a gradient and those those lower levels are awful, but also it's pretty bad anyway, what we do, what Mm -hmm. the like systems do to your average, like bright, gifted, curious little kid, who's then forced to sit still in a little box and like learn everything and then teased and all of, it just like that's really what breaks my heart it mostly is just what goes this subtle little like evils that go unnoticed notice and that sort of slowly corrupt and like slowly poison a person mm-hmm. and you know maybe it's not obvious you don't go out and shoot 20 people but you're just like you just sort of settle into life, and you're just sitting there, depressed, like binge eating and like watching TV all day, and you have nothing in life. You're one of those like old people in a nursing home who just has no life, and it's like that is the saddest thing. Um, but, uh, Father,
4: no, I got off
6: on that. Well, that's what H- Hannah Arendt writes about, right? The banality of e- of evil.
1: Mm-hmm. And oh I, so I guess salt versus kind of takes that away or or like helps you to see that oh it makes it not so banal by putting it in these more spiritual like terms. And maybe also helps with the empathy because to these people what they're doing is this ritual for their God and like it has beauty and they're into it like it's a religion. And they're just people and like they live their lives and it's like they're doing these awful like just killing people and just having sacrifices. But it's like to them it's just part of life and the apparitions of their god are like beautiful and good like this is what they want <laughs> and later in the podcast people do start like standing up against it and like okay this is, somebody needs to you know challenge this <laughs>
4: yeah i know what it is
1: another way of i guess maybe bridging the gap or bridging the gap between um evil, evil and like the things that we can understand. I guess for me, the main thing that I ever get convicted about anymore is um, just like what I do to myself. I think most of the time where most of the time your average person is gonna, no, I think everybody, it's just maybe whatever Adam was doing to himself, he was so dead, he couldn't even like feel it anymore. So I guess in principle, you only hurt somebody else in like the same way that you're hurting your, yeah, yeah, yeah. You only hurt somebody else in the same way that like you're already hurting your own self because of that sort of correspondence between the self and other that uh, we've been talking about. And it's almost like an overflow. Um, And
4: almost like
1: uh, we, I don't know that's the worst like it's it's my job to be myself and like live I mean, I I shouldn't make that separation between myself and myself but I'm made to be me therefore and like I'm the image of, of God as well and I'm the only one who can like is most in control of this is most taking care of it so all of the like ways that we often will like beat up ourselves or like hate ourselves or just be in despair, be cool. Like, that's mostly the closest injury to Christ, or like the worst sin that I think we do. And it almost really passes unnoticed, but it's like that's and probably the one that has the worst fruits as well, if you really think about all of the consequences of that. But it's difficult because you all have it almost programmed that, like,
4: I don't know, it's a whole thing.
0: what came to mind too when you were both you were talking but um and sherry you said something as well about um just being connected with everybody and and abigail you said uh the the correspondence of the self and the, the other as well and it made me think of i was thinking of um uh sorry in this with relation to what cal was saying about how i can't necessarily can i can i can conceptualize myself doing this evil but i can't see myself doing this evil and it made me think of in daniel chapter nine when he uh he prays when they're in captivity and when daniel says that prayer to god he's he's he associates himself with like all the sins of his fathers um in a way where he's not if you look at adam as like the collective body of humanity it's like he's uh, we're still all connected to that. So the sins of these people in the child trafficking, it's like, um, I'm still a part of it because I'm still a part of the body of humanity. Like I, I'm not, and so he, Daniel sort of prays in this weird way where he's like, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Um, where So he didn't personally commit all those sins, but he's like, I'm still a part of this story and we've done this. So in that way, I think I can, I could say something something along those lines to even people that are are doing the what we think are the most horrific (laughs) sins um it's like well i'm you know uh we've look look where we are now and i'm i'm not a i'm not faultless in in the my little additions to the the downfall of humanity or the um the the corruption of society or whatever you want to call it or the um like you know I'm, i can't disassociate myself from from the yeah humanity in general and say this yeah i don't know what i'm getting at i'm rambling now sorry
2: i have to read another george
6: mcdonald quote do it <laughs> do it he says here he's talking about uh, the divine image in 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 a person shall this divine thing have no recognition from us It is the very presence of this fading humanity that makes it possible for us to hate. If it were an animal only and not a man or a woman that did us hurt, we should not hate. We should only kill. We hate the man just because we are prevented from loving him. We push over the verge of the creation. We damn just because we cannot embrace. For to embrace is the necessity of our deepest being that foiled we hate we recoil into the hate which would fix them there and the dearly lovable reality of them we sacrifice to the outer falsehood of satan's incantations thus leaving them to perish nay we murder them to get rid of them we hate them yet within the most obnoxious to our hate lies that which could it but show itself as it is and as it will show itself one day would compel from our hearts a devotion of love it is not the unfriendly the unlovely that we are told to love but the brother the sister who is unkind who is unlovely shall we leave our brother to his desolate fate shall we not rather say with my love at least shalt thou be compassed about, for thou hast not thy own lovingness to enfold thee. Love shall come as near thee as it may, and when thine come when thine comes forth to meet mine, we shall be one in the
4: indwelling God.
6: I love that because because George is just so. <laughs> good at nailing a thing and he nails it when he says that we hate the man because we are prevented from loving him we push over the verge of the creation we damn because we cannot embrace for to embrace is the necessity of our deepest being i just had
4: to share that with you guys
3: Oh, Can't that's hear you. why George McDonald is the patron saint of universalist heretics. <laughs> yeah, was that you. person that said, <laughs> I don't think George yeah. McDonald was even Christian? Who said that?
6: Oh, I've, I've had what? people say that to me. I really? Wow. Because I this
3: level of forgiveness and love is, is <laughs> not, it cannot be associated with Christianity. It's too radical.
6: <laughs> you were going to yeah. read something, Kel.
3: Yeah. We're all... Oh, yeah. was your quote? It's not. It's nowhere. No, no. I mean, it's nowhere near on a par with George McDonald. And I'll just, I'll just read one sentence of it, which is just to convey the idea. I said, imagine an ego that is destroyed, conti- is continually and repeatedly destroyed by the knowledge of what it did. Like it begins in hell and finds itself in a state of incomprehension, like, like not recognizing, not believing that it, that it is it is and that it did what it did that it continues to exist even after it died doesn't it, find oblivion but only this experience of pain excuse me
6: well i'm just wondering like wouldn't the wouldn't the um the disconnect happen when it realizes or the person actually it the person actually realizes who they are and what they did mm-hmm. right
5: yeah,
4: yeah. like
6: when they, when they encounter their real self yeah, yeah. and we look back and see the thing that they did. And
3: especially and, when they recognize their identity with the victims.
6: Right, and you know, like, like it was interesting when you were talking about Adam Lanza because you, you mentioned just in passing that he was an anti-natalist, right?
5: Yeah.
6: And, and so right away, my, my logic jumped to the fact that what he thought he was doing was a good thing
3: some people say that and i and i shared with cause, because 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 he was more than an anti-natalist he was he what he called an ethylist, which is life backward e-f-i-l and not too far from you know okay uh, another word he, was, um,
6: he, he wanted undoing
3: yes and because 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 at first he, his thought was something like because of culture we are uh, robbed of of eden and the and the the paradisal uh, state of nature. And we have to do all this bullshit, right, Um, Mm -hmm. because of cultural indoctrination. But then he realized that existence itself is what forces us to have these values which are thwarted and denied and which cause suffering. Um, And so some people have speculated that in his mind he was saving those children from the twin hells of culture and existence. But I told that Abigail and Jason I don't think that's what it is. I have a, I mean, I, I said that I think that it's, it's about um, whether, whether it was recognized consciously or not, or to whatever degree it was recognized consciously. Th- that kind of evil is, you do that because it's the most evil thing you can think of doing. Um, and it's about asserting the value of the self through violence in a society that in its indifference toward the self seems to recognize no value. In the self, and that the, the statement of value that I am valuable um, is is in proportions of the violence inflicted. I think that's the psychology of mass murder. Um, so I don't think it was about it was about anything as it was about anything like like rescuing, you know, like some inverse bodhisattva rescuing right. these children from the hell of existence. Well, um, what, you're,
6: what you're what you're talking about reminds me of of the um, of the long tirade from Ivan in Brothers Karamazov when he talks to Alyosha about the utter needless cruelty of, you know, you know that part that I'm talking about?
3: I I certainly do. And and it, and it makes, because, because the question is whether, because Ivan puts a question to Alyosha, which is whether Alyosha would, um, in order to, to, um, just you know, construct the edifice of uh, the most glorious future he could imagine. Would he be able to build it on the foundation of the the suffering and torture of that one baby girl who, uh, sensationally in the tabloids, is reported to have been tortured to death by her parents?
5: Mm-hmm. And
3: that's such a perfect question for the for the um, atheist or anti-theist Yvonne uh, to put to Alyosha because. Ayosha understands immediately that that this is what God has chosen to do, but in the doors of the sea, well, or, or could be seen as choosing to do. In the doors of the sea, David Bentley Hart is quite insistent that God does not, he does not, um, um, either purpose or allow evil as a kind of means to an end. Yeah. Um, um, so it's it's not as if he he sacrifices. Uh, uh you know suffering humanity in order to to construct some kind of artistic amoral um uh, edifice um but but david bentley hart does ask the question of whether it would have been more merciful um to have uh spirit, to have saved the girl her suffering by by never allowing her to exist and that seems at least to me that seems wrong because you say that non-existence is better or worse than some condition it it can only unless there's unless there's a person who exists for it to be better or worse for um well it's uh,
6: it's the only it's like
3: dividing by zero
6: right it's the it's the only logical conclusion right is is that you know if this was her destiny right let's put it in these simple terms then it would have been better that she was never born this is kind of the the judas situation that, that you're talking about uh, and, I, and
3: I also have thoughts on that. <laughs> but but, but yeah.
6: what I what I actually see happening in that conversation is that Ivan, because Ivan is not atheist, he he believes that there is a God, which is interesting. Right. This make this this makes the this makes the dialogue even more complex. Um, but he refuses to, to believe in that God. he, he refused to follow that god right he's not gonna yeah, he's to... an
3: anti-theist
6: right and so i i propose that he's actually kicking at his own existence okay and this is what paul the apostle is doing when jesus encounters him on the road right when he's going to persecute these people and kill them he he says to to him why are you kicking at the goat?" Right, and that's the same. That's the same. That's what uh, that's what Ivan's doing. He's kicking at the goats, the thorns. Right.
4: Yeah. Excellent. Um. Yeah. Um.
6: And that's why the only logical conclusion. And we think this is awful, but if you want to logically take the the, the thing to its end, the only logical conclusion is that the person should not have been, because to be is to suffer. That's what it means.
4: And that's why
6: Shakespeare's statement entails it entails all that right to be or not to be that is the question because there's no getting out of it right you have to you have to you have to face it like peterson says you have to turn and face it voluntarily that's what christ did
4: That is what it means
6: to be. And like, there, you know, there's a beautiful quote from, um, oh, I always forget his name. He was a saint in the early church and he was going to be martyred. You know I, I'm just going to look it up because I hate not saying things properly.
3: Um, it wasn't Justin Martyr, was it?
6: No, I have it okay. right. St. <laughs> um, Ignatius of Antioch. It is better for me to die in Christ Jesus than to be, and he's on his way to Rome to be martyred, and he's writing to the Christians there, and he's asked, this is what he's asking them for. It is better for me to die in Christ Jesus than to be king over the ends of the earth. I seek him who died for our sake. I desire him who rose for us. Birth pangs are upon me. And he's going to his death, okay? Suffer me, my brethren. Hinder me not from living. Do not wish me to die. So to him, to die is to live, and to live is to die. Suffer me to receive the pure light. When I shall have arrived there, I shall become anthropos, is the word he uses, a human being. Right? Like that. That's 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 voluntarily moving towards um, suffering because he was going to be martyred in Rome in a Colosseum. Like I can't imagine it was pleasant, you know. It was it was it was designed to entertain people, so it had to be, you know. <laughs> I'm like, you want to talk about evil?
4: <laughs> so. Yeah. To be or not to be, that is the question.
1: (laughs) And then there's the opposing difficulty of if you've kind of lived a long time in a sort of traumatic, bad situation, anti-theophany state of life like that where it is about like su- suffering and just a lot of pain or like the attitude is that like life's fine, right, you really have to survive and then being able to like relax and sort of uncurl out of that and just be like, oh things are okay <laughs> without um yeah it's sort of the opposite process
4: I don't know that's been
1: a lot of my spiritual journey has been mostly um, the the opposite of what it mostly is or like, no, I sort of started in a place of assuming like, okay, everything's bad. So I'm just like, not gonna um, allow myself to trust anything or like enjoy anything and basically stay as like, as I possibly can and like, just not care. I guess Which that's what's going a, on
6: is a way, way of choosing not to be, right? Like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. And then it's just been slowly, like,
6: yeah, unfolding.
1: It's it's much more difficult than it seems, also because of the guilt of like, at least if you're if you're if your thing is like to be disciplined and like to suffer, it's you feel a certain moral like satisfaction in that. There's no moral satisfaction in in like allowing yourself to be loved and just like relaxing,
6: you're yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. christianity is not is not morality morality has nothing to do with it
1: yeah beauty beauty ethics beauty beauty first ethics. i think a lot of the morality that's based around this idea of like original sin and then of hell is just so troublesome and especially the original sin part i just i don't i don't know i don't like it
3: Well, what's what's kind of at issue there, is the is the um, the image of God, right? Because um, Wayne tells me that Calvin says that Calvin believed that that in the fall the image of God was was shattered in humankind. So, I mean, when when God purposes to redeem humankind, he sees he initially sees nothing of value in them. And, and, and almost paradoxically, nothing worth saving. So just what is he doing exactly? He's mm-hmm. seeking to save them, yeah. except to glorify himself, perhaps, in the ultimate act of oh, yeah. narcissism glorification Right, yeah. Um, wh- <coughs> I mean, he is God after all, but there's something about it which doesn't, doesn't, um you know, in other words, if anyone has the right to be a narcissist, it's him, however, it, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem to like in, in in Genesis. It said God created in in His image, and what He created was was good. There's something about creation that is that has to do with the kind, the sort of triune, the uh, relationality that 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 God is, and that if the image of God is destroyed in humankind, that seems like it's not begetting any. It's it's not it's not it's not um. It's not it's not fatherhood anymore. It's um. Uh, because cuz you know his children are not like himself anymore um it's it's something else it's it's i want to say autism it's it but but not obviously in the psychiatric sense it's just it's just um selfism there's no there's no interrelationality um uh it, it's um it's it's all flat i don't really know um
6: yeah, th- th- there's an interesting thing about narcissism. Narcissism is, is actually a deep insecurity about who you are. That's why the narcissist stares at themselves, right? That's, that's it, it, because they're trying to identify who they are, and they can't. And, and, and so this is why I have s- such a problem with this, this idea. Um, I'm not sure if this is what Kelvin meant, this is how this thing this 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 thing emerged right this narcissistic god where where he he just glories in himself so that when he sees you he sees himself right and the problem i have with that is that that would indicate that he's very very insecure about who he is (laughs) and i'm just like i don't think so Right. I think it's the opposite that he, he, like George says, that which is not lovely, he desires to make more lovely. Right. And he cannot fill, he, he cannot fulfill his, 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 his fill of loving. Right. And, and his desiring is, is, is for the object, in the object, fulfilled, right, in, in its, in its perfection. Um, not in himself George says but in the object yeah and 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 to me that's that's it is like a spiral dynamic because it it has to right like it cannot not right and um and and the 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 end result is is just being made more lovely. Like think about that, you know, more beautiful, more lovely, all the time.
2: Yeah, it makes me think of
0: yeah, just the dynamic dynamic between like a loving parent and their child. It's just the, you'd love is the same way you you'd want to pour. What, what did Paul say in one of the epistles? Like, I would very gladly spend and be spent for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, God would just spend and be spent and pour, not to make the creature like himself other than the fact that it's loving like him. Like, cause you, with your child, you'd, you'd want yeah. your child to be, <laughs> I mean, it would have a resemblance of you, but you'd want it to be, it's just what you would want it to be. Um, and you'd spend and be spent that it would be and be better than you, not necessarily like you, like you're talking about, like in a narcissistic fashion.
6: You know, I went on a walk before this and and when I was walking down one of the paths, there was a grouse, it came upon a grouse and she had chicks, I couldn't see them but they suddenly all flew up and they were quite small but they could fly and they all went up into the trees and she just stood in the middle of the path and I got three giant dogs right? Me and three giant dogs. She was willing to spend and be spent, right? For these, for her chicks. And I was like, go, you know, go. And she just walked quietly and clucked. She was trying to lead me away, right? Because she knew they were right above her in the trees. And then my, my one dog went forward and I said, no, leave her alone. And then he, he, he went back again. And, uh, Finally, I said, all right, Hulk go we'll get her. And then she went out, he went after her and she flew up into a tree immediately, which I knew she would do because she was just trying to lead us off, right? But that's what love does, right? That's love. It's willing to sp- spend and be spent, right? Yeah.
1: I'm actually must go to bed. I've been keeping a very early schedule these days and I'm like fading. (laughs) It's
6: nice to see you again Abigail.
1: Thank you. Yeah this was really fun and thank you. It definitely helped me. I've been like in whole deconstruction and just like doubting all everything and it's necessary, but like it's nice to operate within the Christian frame for a little bit. I'm like, okay, I know how things work in this little box. Good time.
0: <laughs> Thanks for doing this. It was really good. It was fun.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thanks.
6: Bye, Abigail.
0: Bye. Well, we can uh, we can end it here. Or keep going if you guys want to. I was kind of curious to hear. Your thoughts on Judas sometime, but we could we yeah. could do that another, another time if you want, or or if you got
3: well. Though no, I I have a little um, gas in the tank left. Yeah. Um, okay. The uh um probably the most insightful, or at, at least to me arresting, I'll say, the most striking thing I ever heard in connection with Jesus saying um, that it would be better for that man had not been born um was a was a youtube video that i saw um in which an apologist was on stage and and it was a it was question and answer time at the end of his presentation and somebody asked the apologist um, about the meaning of jesus words and he was doing something which i love to do which is to seek truth through a very linear and head on approach,
5: mm.
3: taking things at 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 um, at at face value it's sort of in the way that a child does but but um development developmentally you know one level above that at the level that Luke calls being a smart sixth grader or a smart dumb person but i I love that approach because i I feel like if the truth lies on the opposite side of that, then um, that, that's you, you, will know, you will know that truth under its contrary. That's the fastest way to it. Yeah. So um, the, the person in the audience um, asked whether from Jesus' words we could infer that the universe which God created um, is good, but that that doesn't. Involve a claim to its being good for everyone in it, and that the best—it's still good, but it's not good for everyone in it. And the, the best universe for for Judas would have been the universe in which he had not been born. He's asking if we can, if we can, you know, basically extract these implications from what Jesus said. And the apologist said that, you no, know, clearly it has to have been hyperbole, because. We, we can't say of god's good universe that it wasn't good for everyone in it hmm. so that would be tantamount to saying god didn't love everyone in it when you think about it which was you know like I, i'm glad oh, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that he said that because an apologist will not always say that apologists yeah. will say some wacky things sometimes yeah um like like william lane craig believing that um god and His providence has perhaps so arranged things that everyone who lived at a time and place when the gospel was not available was just the sort of person who wouldn't have believed it anyway had they (laughs) been given the opportunity to hear it, you know? And God's good universe truly, I mean, to the extent that existence can be, non-existence can be better for you than existence, which it's totally meaningless because it's like dividing by zero, if you ask me, but, you know, it, one imagines that you know God's good universe is, is, is not one that that um, you know that that involves you know billions of Chinese people suffering in hell forever. Um, you know uh, anyway so so yeah I, that, that's what I mean so my simple answer, my simplistic answer to to those words of Jesus is that they must have been hyperbole. Um, but it's not really grappling perhaps with the, the spiritual meaning. If there is one, you know, beneath it, it's just saying, "Ah, oh, no, it's I don't have a category for it, so I'll dismiss it." Kind of, yeah. You know? Or you, Jesus, Jesus' words that it would be better for the for, oh, the, for yeah, that yeah. man if he had not been born. If I say, "Well, it was just hyperbole," I'm not really coming to grips with it no, exactly. I'm, I'm I'm just saying that I don't have a category for that, and so yeah. I'm going to dismiss it. I'm going to pretend right, right. it doesn't exist exactly. almost. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, like,
6: Jesus said to, to, to Judas, go and go and do what it is that you have to do, right? And, and uh, I've always thought, I, you know, I've thought about that. What, what does that look like? Like, if you were in the room, and you, and you were flying the wall, and you were just watching things, that would look like he was tasked to do something. Right?
3: Well, in the Gnostic Gospel of Judas, that's exactly what happens. In other words, Jesus um, puts Judas up to it. Judas says, "I know who you are and where you've come from. You come from the the realm of Barbelo, and um, and uh, I'm not worthy to utter the name of the one who has sent you here." So, in other words, it's the true Gnostic God. It's not the evil demiurge Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, well you know just as one wants to avoid Gnosticism one wants to avoid the implication or the insinuation that that um, somehow God purposed that evil as a means to an end Um, some kind of instrumental good Without which the good could not have been accomplished, right? Well, there's I mean, a
6: par- there's a parallel thought, Cal, in my head, anyway, um, because Jesus, uh, God says to to Satan in the book of Job, "Have you seen my servant Job?" Right? Um. <clears throat> so God is the God is the you know the instigator, let's say, right, of that encounter between Job and Satan. He. He brings that to Satan's attention. Like, you know, when they meet, he says, what have you been up to? Satan's like, well, I'm roaming around, you know, looking for things. He's the accuser. Right. And God's like, oh, have you seen, uh, have you seen Joe? <laughs> right. He points him out. And, <laughs> and, and, um, and he goes, yeah, you can do all that. You can do all, you know, all that you suggested, but just don't 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 hurt him right you can take everything from him but you can't hurt him and then then they have another conversation after that's done and he says well you
3: sounding a lot like a denmire you can take
6: you can you can hurt him but you can't take his life right so um i'm not even gonna try to make sense of that you know uh, but but like you, I I would I would like to meet it head on. Okay. I, I don't want to try to dismiss it. Right well, now.
3: what if it was just hyperbole? What if it was just literary artifice? Has God really said X Y Z? You know, maybe the Old Testament is just a bunch of literature. Well, and even if not,
6: it is, it's still there.
3: <laughs> no, no, I know. I'm 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 playing devil's advocate myself. I know but no. but in the in the weird sort of double position where you know it's only because I, I wanted to try to exonerate God from like being his own devil's advocate in the the religious literature like you know those well, passages it's in- even
6: worse though Cal because at, at one point in Job's speech Job says you know you you've made me right like you, you you put together my my flesh and my sinew and my bone and and you did all this and you know but you also had all this hidden in your heart
3: all this suffering right 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 right
6: like in in the book of job there is no arch nemesis god doesn't have an evil twin there's only god there's only god right and like we were talking about that i i mentioned that today on uh, on the boxer you know about about the lion and the lamb right like I've been thinking about that, although it's not the wrong—it's not the right term. It's the wolf and the lamb, apparently, and the leopard and the goat. <laughs> but um, what does that mean, you know? And I—it—it—you know—it's predator-prey relationship is what it is, right? And um, I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm—I I'm, don't have any hard and fast conclusions, but I'm—but I'm thinking about this. We'll,
3: we'll edit out the heresies
6: sure it. but there's but there's god is also called the watcher right and and job feels like he's being hunted by god and he's like what are you why are you doing this to me you know that i'm just a man right i'm just a man i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not stone i'm not brass i'm not the sea i'm not a whale right just a vulnerable little man and you made me you know and i mean we know these feelings when we suffer we know these feelings right and and uh, eliphaz says you know god will break the jaws of the lions and god will you know prosper you and god you know god will do all this like he's going to keep all this stuff at bay right and then god says to job later and you know spoiler alert <laughs> in god's speech he says I I I feed the young lions. What are you gonna do with that?
3: <laughs> I feed them my martyrs, right? <laughs> right.
6: <laughs> so when I think about this wolf laying down with the lamb, or you know, the, the version of it we know so well, which is not in the Bible apparently, but the lion laying down with the lamb, I I have a sense that this is this is symbolic. That this is, that we have to, these things need to lie down together. In, this is paradise. When these two seemingly opposite things, right? This stuff that we can't reconcile about God, right? That we want to dismiss as hyperbole. We need to come to terms with that. And, and they need to lie down together. That's what I think that means, actually. And there's my hair.
3: Personally, hint. you can read that out. <laughs> the fox and the hound. I do believe. Hound. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no.
0: No. We'll go, go ahead. I, I'm done. I just said it's the fox and the hound. <laughs> it's The, the child likeness when they're when they're childlike, they lie down together. Well, well, just quickly, Cal, before you finish your thought,
6: the end of that verse says, "And a little child shall lead them." Okay, like, just think about that, like that, these dualities, right, these coincidences of opposites, the child doesn't know those things, child doesn't have a grasp on those things, their world is one, they live in a world of at one ment the child can be Superman. The child is the tree. The child is the water. The child is the grass. The child is the cloud. He can fly. He can do all those things, right? His imagination is rife. And, and So he, he he's not struggling with duality or the coincidence of opposites or paradox. He's not having any problems with those things. He doesn't even think about them.
3: Well, um, now let me try to remember. Um, There was a lady uh, philosopher who said, I can't remember her name, but she refuted Calvinism um, uh, with the following argument. She said that Calvinism says God is the author of evil, um, but evil is precisely that which God does not intend. Therefore, Calvinism is false. Um, the David Bentley Hart is sort of you know re- relentless in his insistence in the doors of the sea that mm-hmm. then in the final analysis evil is that which God is not um, and He does not purpose it He only allows it um, and and that evil it, it there's actually what makes it a tremendous mystery is that there is no necessity for it. Now, the thing is, I disagree with Hart on that point. His reasoning is that because evil is just a privation of the good,
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, it, you know, it, there's, it, there's no necessity to its being,
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, which makes, makes the problem of evil a completely incomprehensible mystery, at least on this side of eternity. Yeah. Um, and, and, and But for me, precisely because I believe that evil is a privation of the good, I think that it has to exist in order for the good to be intelligible as the good.
6: Right, right. It's like However, a contrast.
3: Right. However, the nature of the good is sort of dialectical. And it meaning to say that there's always sort of a good beyond the good of one's sort of initial juxtaposition. Um, that, you know, of, yeah. of good and evil.
5: Yeah.
3: But but I think likewise through that that dynamic in that dynamic alternation, God is always not evil. It's always the compliment of but God. But don't
6: you think, Cal, here's a here's a thought. Don't you think that...
3: God in the second person in my eccentric, heretical, um, uh, uh, Trinitarian theology, which I <laughs> kind of shared with Jason earlier, which Sherry doesn't necessarily very, uh, know very much about.
6: No, I don't, no. Um, so here we are talking about what's good and what's evil, but how do we judge that? Like This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And, and this seems to be, this seems to be the real problem, like, this seems to be at the heart of the problem, right? When you, like, I have a problem with the doors of the sea, personally. I, I found it very unsatisfactory in light of the book of Job, right? Because there's a morality there that I think doesn't belong there, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that God is immoral, but, I'm also, but, I, but I would also say that he isn't moral. <laughs> it's that, it's, that it is not, has nothing to do with morality. I think the problem is that w- when we start to judge between good and evil, we don't really know what we're talking
2: about.
0: yeah i think i agree on that i i may
3: it's like super important what what sherry said Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: i um, i was trying to get at that idea play with it a little bit as well and i think it was probably you and jess that maybe sparked me thinking about it um in one of your conversations i think there might have been someone else involved as well i think luke might have been in there um but about not judging good and evil and i was just thinking along those lines and i was like you know I can still say that things are sad, you know. Like if, a, if if a child, if I'm approaching things in a childlike fashion, I can't. I don't know that I can say this or that is evil because I don't see the whole picture. I don't see the whole story. I can't. I can't declare myself as God as I'm all knowing. And so this is evil. Like right, the thing right. you you brought into the video with the horse, like the horse right. breaks its legs or the sat or. I can't remember the whole story the, your video started off it's with
3: the, it. Chi- the chinese farmer oh, the chinese
6: farmer story yeah
3: so he, yeah jesus, so but like jesus wept right he did mm-hmm. acknowledge it as sad but he did not condemn it as evil in such a right. way as to destroy yeah. it yeah so his friend died yeah mm-hmm. yeah although yeah. he resurrected lazarus so
0: yeah so maybe that's where but, i can i feel like i can draw conclusions too is i'm like well all this stuff going on in the world like or this this person gets murdered or something. You just like part of me just wants to say that's evil, you know. But it's like uh, I could at least, well, the, the, very least, gets, say it it's extremely evil. sad. It's extremely well, this, this sad. Gets,
6: this gets back to <laughs> this gets back to the the Mara quote where she said that Lilith Lilith cannot be with anyone. Okay, uh-huh. um, compassion is to be with. Someone yeah, yeah, in yeah. their suffering, yeah. right? And and I think that that's why Jesus wept, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Because yeah. he was with them in their suffering. Because, well, he was the most connected human being that ever lived as a human, right? Mm-hmm. And and so sadness is, you know, is over, overwhelms you in that in a place of compassion, right, or empathy you know they're slightly different but mostly the same and um and i think you can you can call something evil you can have an opinion right uh-huh. um yeah that is, that is a different word I, I don't know if maybe i'm being nitpicky but bad is a different word it it has a connotation of of not being like it shouldn't have, it should have never been Right, evil evil exists, and and something can be evil, right? Yeah. Like, um, right, right. But whether or not it's bad, I don't know if we we actually know that.
5: <laughs> yeah.
6: But maybe that's just me being nitpicky, because it like like Cal said, what 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 did what you ever it see God, the,
3: God the makes vampire it? in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy? no Where Eddie Murphy as the, the the titular vampire he goes into um, uh, a church and starts preaching about how evil is good because if because if there weren't any evil then God couldn't be good <laughs> and and somehow that is just like that's the perfect encapsulation of like everything that is wrong with at yeah. least a, with at least that there's a way that someone could at least distort what you're saying
6: Yes, of course, but, but 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 I
3: but I don't even but I'm still my, my jury is out. I don't I don't know what to think of this. Except to will to insist that evil is evil, and yes, I, I agree. And, and 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 God and and I want to say also that I won't say God has no use for it, but it, but again, it, it's it's only in the in the sense of something which He allows for the sake of allowing the freedom. Of his creatures and the otherness needed for them for you know for for his love to be what it is yeah um to love to love the other as the other and 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 die um, well you know for his creation
6: i've learned i've learned a little bit from Joseph and jacob and i mean i always had uh, for many many years um i've always asked the question well you know or I've had the thought that when Adam and Eve were in the garden, it wasn't necessarily paradise. It wasn't a utopia because there was a snake in the garden. Okay. So there was already something broken, right? Something was already broken. And um, in Judaism, now I don't, I, I'm probably really going to get this wrong because I don't know it as well as I'd like to. But there's this idea of the shattered vessels, right? And and um I um, see if I can say this properly. The whole idea is that they, they have to be they have to be put back together again, right? And which is reconciliation, which is which is in my opinion, I, I you know I said to Joseph as much, this sounds like apokatastasis to me, <laughs> you know. Um but there is a, there is a um, the strength of the vessel is multiplied by its being put back together again, okay? So there, there is, there's this idea of, like, my father fractured his skull when I was a kid. And when it healed, the doctor said to him, you'll never break that again, because it's, it's stronger than, than it would be had it not broken, right? because it's knit. And, um, and th- that concept is also in, in Judaism, right? That there's that there's this added strength to the vessel because it's been put back together again. And um, without getting into into the, all the details, that, that's kind of what I saw once, right? In this vision, right? When I was asking, about why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there in the first place and cuz i was i'm like did you did you play a trick on humanity like did you send us into this cascade of disaster like what the what the heck and the view of the
3: good that comes from that that kintsugi type of reparation you know in japanese the that that art in japan Japanese art that that art form that consists in artistically repairing with golden seal these uh, broken ceramic glasses uh, and it makes them than they were before. Still, I view that good which comes from that process of reparation as, in a sense, only incidental, and the primary the primary good was was the freedom, which did allow for for. Um, well, that's all what. Of, all of... Go ahead. Sorry which did allow um, uh, for for all of them to be damaged in some way. Right. Um, But but it was it was necessary for creation itself to be the primary good remains not remains not um, that that what kills you makes you stronger, but rather just just the freedom that is that is an intrinsic part of existence itself.
6: Right, but there's also but there's also this Cal. there is because of the angels. And that something was already broken. Okay, so then you know, think about it. Something was already broken. And what is the role that humanity plays in the cosmic story? Mediator
3: between yes. heaven. That's, that's that. Um, what, is, what do they call that? It's like Takuno olam, mm-hmm. like rebuilding the world, right? But those are those are your Jewish heresies, Sherry. Heresies, if you will. Um, sure, <laughs> now, now, um, um that that's uh, obviously i didn't i didn't mean that um, really i was like circling it. around something important that i i still don't know how to fully understand yeah um, i do have to get going
5: Yeah, me so too. Just
3: thank you uh-huh. guys for your time um and um uh i love you guys and uh thank you yeah i um, love you too i'll talk, you too. talk to you later all
0: right thank yeah, you so you much know. Thanks. Sorry to
3: leave so abruptly. I just no, no, in.
0: that's fine. You guys have a great night.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay, you too. Bye,
2: Jason. G-